to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is the 2011 David Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Pop in your DVD or Blurry Press Play. Press pause when the Columbia logo fades to black and all hope has left the room. Uh, and in a second, I'll say three, two, one, and pause. At which point, I'll press play. You'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except of course with four friends in your head. Myself is always T. Christie. My friend Ryan Weber. I think this movie's hilarious too. Michael so Dorkman <laughs> Scott. Hi. And Trey the Amazing Yeah, Stokes. it's a fun romp. This was an odd thing to have happen because if you recall <laughs> the thing that happened before this, David Fincher was making this movie about Facebook and like that's ever going to work. And then it happens and everyone likes it and it's really good and wins a bunch of rewards. Then he's remaking a movie that came out like two days ago with yeah. the girl with the dragon tattoo. And everyone's initial response to that one was, huh? Exactly. <laughs> he had two huh movies in a row. After seeing this, I watched the Swedish version, and uh, it would be super cool, and I'd feel super hip if I could say that this one fucking sucks, and the Swedish one is amazing, and they shouldn't have touched it because it was so much better in the original language and all that. I honestly think this is just a better a better film all around. It would be much easier to say that the Swedish one fucking sucks, and this one was finally the you know good version of the story. It's, it doesn't. The Swedish version is kind of nice. I mean, it's a, it's a good little movie. But in a thousand little bitty ways, I think this one is better, and it results in something much more than the sum of its parts. As a movie, I love it. Uh, it's it it goes next to Zodiac in my David Fincher. I like the big long, slow paced procedural things. mystery. Yeah, exactly. Murder. Um, it, it, it this doesn't go in the column with Seven and Fight Club and those guys. But uh, I think Fincher is one of the great directors working today, and I think this is a an incredible achievement as a, as a film. Uh, it doesn't announce its presence as loudly as an incredible achievement as the Social Network does, but I think it's restrained and beautiful and very pretty. Cronin with you. Ryan, what about you? Dragon Tattoo? Certainly. I'm excited to be here for my first Fincher commentary. Um, yeah. You were on uh, Seven. I thought you were on, yeah. Oh, you were yeah. on Seven. Well, yeah, that was very really. forgettable. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll kidding. redo Seven again one day with Ryan again. <clears throat> um, seven but, was uh, first. Yeah, you're right. Wow, I completely forgot about that. That's funny. Anyway, that's a couple years down in front for you. So you're, you're a David Fincher fan, though, right? I am a, a huge fan. And so I was very curious about this. I, I similarly was very sort of doubtful about Facebook and like, oh, man, how possibly ever could you? But then it turned out to be amazing. And um, so I was like, OK, fine, I'll go into this and this will be awesome. And I had a very interesting, completely different experience each time I watched it. The first time I kind of was actually disappointed and like yeah i didn't really like i didn't really like that like that was kind of fucking a bummer and then but <laughs> not, not so rapey pun not intended you know <laughs> i mean just sort of uh, i didn't really resonate with anything you know in the content of it and then i saw it again and i was i was much more able to just sort of appreciate the the craft of it and, and how it was made as a movie and and at the same time like i wasn't acknowledging the first time that it i was it was totally compelling for something that I actually don't care about at all. Like I, none of the characters of the plot really intrigued me at, a, at any point. And then so after seeing it a couple times and I've been, I've been actually – I've been enjoying it more and more over time just sort of as a movie that Fincher made and it looks great. And there's a lot of technical aspects of it that I'm really into. Um, and then I saw the Swedish version um, after being very familiar with this one and found – I was expecting it to be like sort of radically different. And in a lot of ways, I think it was very similar and not really – I thought it would make – make the Swedish one look way, way inferior. And I don't really feel that's the case. I think there are actually a number of little areas where I like what the Swedish one did more than Fincher's in certain places. And we'll uh, get to them and talk about all that. Michael Dorkman, Scott, are you yes. a Fincher guy? Um, I guess so. I, 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 you like Fight Club? You like Seven? You yeah. like Social Network? I, I think about it and I go, there are more that I like than that I don't. So I guess so. What is one that you um, don't like? 
I'm Zodiac. Maybe? I'm not too huge on Zodiac. Zodiac Panic just kind of goes on for a bit. Mm-hmm. I forget about Panic Room. Big, and big and fan of the game, are you? Gets a little. Uh, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, yeah, but I really no liked one has. it. I really liked it when I did, and in fact, yeah. it just came out on Criterion Collection on Blu-ray, and I'm yeah. like, fuck it, I'm buying it. I just assume because one thing about him is um, <laughs> he's very good with the all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, his like DVDs are always good he's DVDs. He's great about yeah, content. Yeah. In fact, yes. I wasn't I wasn't huge on Benjamin Button even, but there was just a Black Friday sale and it was 5 bucks for the Blu-ray. I'm like, "Oh hell yes then," cuz I'm going to get all that uh, content and the commentary and stuff like that because um you know, whatever wh- however you may feel about a, one of the movies he makes, um he makes the hell out of them and it's it's like you say, it's a level of craft and stuff where even if I don't particularly care for the movie, the the making of it and the way it's made is so worth studying. The execution. Yeah, and I I feel very much that way about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's an incredibly well-made movie, and I have no idea what it's for. Like, what is the <laughs> point? I don't get... And, and I've read the books, and I've seen the Swedish one, and I'm, I'm just... I'm baffled by the popularity of this story, because yeah, I don't understand... Yeah. I don't get it at all. I don't really connect with any of this. I don't... And... It, I don't know, but but it's such a well-made movie that I can't I can't help being incredibly impressed by it and wanting to study it, if not necessarily experience it very yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. Trey, what about you? I, it's funny that uh, we have quite a consensus. I didn't know if uh, that we would have this, but uh, yeah, if it's this movie is very much for me in the camp of so why did you tell me that story mm-hmm. <laughs> and why did you work so hard to tell me that story because clearly you put a lot of effort into telling me that story um but it's 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 it is interesting it's it's like you guys i it's not like i hate it this movie is terrible they should never have made it i find it i've only seen it like twice i watched it once and then i watched it with the commentary which is you know, always generally pretty mm-hmm. interesting Fincher's commentaries are you know he usually does give you some some good insights um and i watched it and it was like you know this is well made and it, and it you know it works and i you know i actually you know get what's going on and all that but it is it's you know it's one of those okay so that happened i guess and uh, i but i appreciate it for what it is even though i don't necessarily appreciate it myself but i appreciate that you know that someone made a movie that's this dark and edgy and you know boy take a walk on the wild side you know it's this ain't transformers and you know, <laughs> let's all be grateful that it's not just another transformers movie or something uh-huh. like that so you know it's not for everyone and and you know but people like it really like it it is it is beautifully made just like uh, you know everything fincher does i just recently i had an experience like two days ago i finally saw the dark knight rises which was another movie <laughs> where i was like wow this is an exquisitely crafted dull movie i can't believe it. <laughs> it's uh, it's this year's uh, extremely loud incredibly batman um <laughs> it's like wow this is a beautifully crafted piece of something that i don't care about one bit um other than when anne hathaway's on screen so this movie's kind of like that where it's like well this is kind of fascinating in a let's go to the freak show way totally um you know yeah. let's just sort of see a real see me underbelly of life um i'm it's i'm glad it was made i i don't know if i love it but it's a it's a pretty fascinating thing cool you're at the point where the columbia logo has faded to black as we are here so put your finger on the button three two one on pause you know i really should say three two one play yeah, we got columbia and mgm what the hell yeah uh, if you are in a different country apparently we're like between some of the logos so sorry well because mgm doesn't exist they they, they sort of exist (laughs) they exist again now they're they're trying to get out of we're still in the first well now we just switched to the second shot of the movie that was actually really weird to me um when i was when i was traveling europe and at one point i I was in sweden over uh over the fall but um 
over there, I guess the MGM catalog was purchased by Warner Brothers because there was a lot of stuff that were like celebrating Warner's 100th or 75 year anniversary or something. But there were a bunch of banners where it was like, you know, celebrating their history. And there was the Wizard of Oz. I'm like, that is some <laughs> horseshit. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> that is not. That is an MGM movie. You do not get to take credit for that just because you bought it. One of those great <laughs> Warner musicals. Well, how's okay. that for a cold open? You yeah. got a flower in the mail. Yeah, I, uh, I would love. I would love to spend the entire movie talking about this, but we won't. This music um, video? The music video opening. I've, I was really curious about it when we saw it, and I had my own interpretations of what it meant. And later, and in the months and years since this movie has come out, you've heard more and more about specifically what the intention of this is and what it means. Uh, it basically boils down to this is a nightmare that yeah. Elizabeth is having. That's not what I thought it was in the first place, but that works for me too. Well, it's also it's also in a sense, I mean, yeah, it's it's designed um as as Fincher says, what would Lizbeth's nightmare look like? But it's also designed as um, you know, a, a, in a in a theatrical a, a brief a, summary of the plot. In a theatrical sense, yeah. it's an overture. What we're watching right now is yeah. a, is a is a twisted visual overture of not only this film but respective trilogy because this is based right. on a book trilogy. So these are events um, some of these are events like right here. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to end up making the, the second film, but um, at one point in her past, she set her father on fire. So that was that's what got her sent to to the. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, kind, it's kind of it's, referencing stuff that yeah. isn't really. It's not in this film, in but, this film. but it's 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 stuff mentioned, that's but... part of the story and stuff that if they move forward with with the other two films, mm -hmm. um, I suppose it will come up. So that's kind of what this is uh, meant to symbolize. I can't I can't say i can't point to every single thing even though i've read all three of the books i can't point to every single thing it's and say exactly too. what it is because it's deliberately abstract as well now yeah. the other thing is uh, I'm this so is all digital by the way this is this is all um, uh, blur isn't it i think yeah blur studio um mm -hmm. the other thing about this is it's scored with this piece of music that trent reznor and karen o from the yeah yeah yeah's put together and it's a cover of the immigrant song that i suspiciously like like it's odd how much i like it because i love the i love the immigrant song and i really like nine inch nails um, but something so about, what's so surprising about so, well, something, that. Yeah. well, the wow. thing is it, it added up to more than those two things. It's, it's a song that lives really, really high in my esteem. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised to find that a lot of people actually actively dislike this cover. I love this cover. I love the, the, the texture of the, of the song and all that, but I think, I think it's, it's better than the original. It sets the tone perfectly. And I, and I, one of my favorite well, little factoids about it is that, uh, Fincher said, Hey, Trent in an email or something, uh, we're going to. Could you do like a cover of the immigrant song for just we need we need a that real quick and he's like yeah I guess and like two days later he emails him this wave of you know the mix down and that's it done like that's the one they used <laughs> like Trent just knocked that out in like a weekend with so the answer with the answer was yes yeah, yeah. exactly can <laughs> you do that boom you mean this blah do you want any, do you have any notes any changes no that was awesome <laughs> thanks it's interesting what you just said about oh it sets the tone perfectly for me actually the first time I saw it I felt it was actually very almost out of place like mm. from the rest of the movie which is just sort of very it's dark but it's somber and it's it never gets really fast paced until I guess the, you know the car chase at the end and stuff and it's 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 never that it's sort not high of energy that radical and so I I, I always kind of like well, that was over and I was like wow what, what was that about I guess he just really wanted to do a music video and this is how you can do that now but actually now that I think about it it does sort of like give you a punch in the face to be like okay get you know this this may not be really exciting for a little while but get ready for some right. shit so yeah, right Tri yeah. a little piece of trivia the barista who served him is the daughter of the man who originally played uh miko bloomquist oh uh, really so yeah interesting just, it just happened like they were they didn't plan that it wasn't like supposed to be a cameo that just happened to she happened to be the one working there basically <laughs> when when they shot there something that's really interesting about all of the latter Fincher work that we have uh, of the last five or six years, and we'll, we'll talk about this going on through the commentary, not just now, but 
the way he has grown as a filmmaker and basically the way that most obviously manifests itself is how confident he's gotten with all of his shots, with his pacing, mm-hmm. with his choices. It just, it plays, it plays exactly like it's no, like it knows what it's doing, even when it doesn't, even in recent movies, when there's been moments where they feel like the wrong choices, he plays it so cool. This is, he is like the Obama of, of filmmakers. <laughs> they may, they may he's be- just like fucking unflappable, just making it. And fuck you if you don't get it. I'm not even going to address your concerns. Does it, fault. There's a great confidence and authority to yeah. everything he's doing. You may, you may, as a viewer, um, and especially as a, you know, a viewer who is likely to be more more critical and and think harder about that kind of stuff. You may feel that it's a wrong choice, but there's no question that it's a deliberate choice. Absolutely. You're never, you never, <laughs> you never get the feeling in a in a Fincher work, and even more so lately that. Something he is doing, he hasn't really considered all the aspects of it. Yeah, okay. uh, and that's something that you really can feel in a, in a lot of movies. And it's one of the things. All that this I is green screen, by the way. Like anytime he, they're interiors and there's a, there's shooting a, out a window, it's yeah. like always green screen. And pretty much every monitor you ever yeah. see your television. Yeah, that's, that's green, green screen now. out the windows or green yeah. screen entire. Yes, yeah. the, <laughs> the office the doesn't exist. Yeah, blood. Well, the crawl. same in his little cabin that he's yeah. st- staying in. Like there's not. Yeah. A, it's wow. like it's just white and a tree. Yeah, Fincher, Fincher not, is a Fincher know. is a great example in terms of confidence. Again, he's a great example of someone who mm-hmm. uses effects to great effect um because he's not cool sentence bro yeah thank you he's 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 not so self-conscious about it as he used like panic room has a lot of like look at that shot i just did fight club too yeah 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 i think the last time that happened was in zodiac the last time he did a a shot that's sort of like eh, shot like this uh he did a really cool hi i'm david fincher i'll be your director it was a a cool (laughs) shot of uh, looking down on a car from like 100 feet up shot which is he got way too excited about photogrammetry in panic room though definitely yeah Yeah, that was the thing he 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 saw the light on Fight Club and yeah. it took it took him a while to get over it. Okay, there she is, um, the Gorgon. <laughs> first, first of all, one of the interesting differences between these two movies <laughs> that really calls itself out to me—the thing that really addresses the all of the problems of both of them, or not problems, issues with both of them—this is a microcosm of all of them, which is the way the Lisbeths are in both movies represent a mm-hmm. lot of the differences between them for me. Sure, not. The least of which is how, while I, and you know, this is a subjective point right here. I actually think that Rooney Mara is more attractive than Numi Rapace. But in the movies, yeah, she is much more beautiful. Uh, Numi is in the Swedish film. She's a much more beautiful character with, she, what's interesting about the way that this Lisbeth basically carries herself is while you can't say that her look isn't affected, it is something that she does. There is very little of it or none of it that is on behalf of presenting herself to you. It's just, I guess, the way she likes to look insofar as, you know, like the the lack of eyebrows and the weird lack of makeup. And she's kind of scary looking sometimes. Sometimes. And the the Numi (laughs) Rapace character is much more just made up. She she has big, you know, shadowy eyeshadow and uh, black lips and and, and, and and she's pretty. She's more made up. She is prettier. And. Incidentally, another way the character plays itself out is I think in that movie, that Lisbeth is much more sympathetic than this one is. Definitely. Not like right. you wouldn't want to hang out with either of them, but this one is she's clearly colder than the other one is. It's uh, she that in that sense, though, she's more accurate to the character. Um, who the, is, this who one is or this the one. Swedish one? This yeah. one, who is very standoffish and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the the Swedish one is is beloved over there. She's you know she's a big uh, right. icon of of recent fiction. Um, she's the closest thing Sweden has to like Harry Potter right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for what that's worth, but um, especially in terms of it blowing up 
worldwide you know it's something that they can they can go that's ours you mm-hmm. know yeah. Elizabeth Salander is is a, a national treasure type of thing um but uh, I don't know I, I think in part it's the it's the certainly the aspect of the difference between the way that the original Swedish version feels I mean it is an independent film in the sense that independent films are not made by Hollywood studios and this one is mm-hmm. um and uh yeah, I think I think that's part of it. I, it's almost interesting that in that sense, this one is allowed to get a little more daring with it in in some aspects. And well, something the, which 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 feels counterintuitive to the way we normally talk about Hollywood studio filmmaking. There's mm-hmm. like that. there's quite a bit that's different between these two movies, and it's almost unfair to compare them. But it's too awesome an opportunity to compare them to pass up. Oh so my we, gosh, it's it's amazing. When do you get an opportunity right. like this to, to study? Yeah, especially you know, made so close together. But, yeah. you know? One of the other things about the difference the differences between the performances here, um, and this this will sound pejorative. This will sound like I'm trying to put down Numi and I'm really not. What announces itself about the performance of Rooney Mara to me is how studied it feels. It feels as if it's something that she's really focused on for a long time. I don't doubt that Numi did the same, but what comes across just in terms of how I feel about it when I'm watching them, is that the Numi performance is a little bit less studied. It feels a little bit more like someone who isn't quite positive what they're doing with this character yet, the entire movie. Whereas she shows up in this one, and it, it's she she has the exact same intention and commitment in every scene, and then you know you stack the you know the incentives and stuff on top of that. But she feels studied she feels like this has been a prepared performance one one aspect of that that may affect that is that she's uh if if i mean my impression is that she gets a lot more time with us in this movie than than in the swedish one like it's sort of her role role was very much inflated and and mikhail's is actually shrunk like a lot well and also from the book especially yeah um and so because i think i think they all knew that this it's all about her like she's the real she's on the poster this is what we're talking about and And, um and ultimately again moving forward into the into the sequels um her story is the real story this the the whole business with the vangers and all of that is right. like that's this that's it, this, this week in the girl with the dragon it, it's a non sequitur it's it's got it gets got nothing to do with the ongoing story which is all about her past and in fact i found it i found it a little disappointing reading the sequels because it was it almost i felt it almost focused in too much on her mm-hmm. it, rather than like you said she there's this underlying story about her and then this week this week on the girl with the dragon tattoo, she and uh, you know Mikael solved the she's the, the incredibly complicated the, the, uh, <laughs> mystery. She's the, Harry the Potter of the they fight Nazis. Yeah, they they solve the mystery of the haunted carnival. Or she's whatever. Harry Potter and the Vanger thing is the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, but but then it just fixates on Harry's past rather than having a prisoner of Azkaban or a goblet of fire or anything like that in the uh, yeah. kind of later book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I um but. It was. It's very interesting. Back to the point we were making, and we'll, we'll start talking about this one more and compare less for a little while after this. But it's an incredible opportunity to have something like this to compare. Um, I I have long had the feeling I haven't espoused it or anything like that. I haven't shouted it into the wind, but I've long had the feeling that it'd be cool if it was more acceptable to do remakes instantly or multiple adaptations instantly, as opposed to people whine now that we get remakes twenty years later. 
I think it'd be interesting if, you know, material was available for anyone to direct all the time and it becomes more like a theatrical thing. You know, it's not like, God, they're doing Hamlet yeah. again. What? <laughs> yeah. what? Jesus fucking Christ, yeah, dude. Really. They just did Hamlet like four years ago. Yeah. You know, I saw Pacino do uh, Death of a Salesman, but then I saw Hoffman do it and it really was interesting. And to, it gives you, know. you interesting opportunities to study differences yeah. between films like, and how choices work and what the what the craft looks like from different people or, and all that. Or like music, you know. Exactly. Doing a, a cover. Yeah. I, I said on Twitter one uh, a while back, I was like, I wonder if people would take remakes better if they were referred to as covers <laughs> like <laughs> doing a cover of dragon Age. yeah i think they would because remake inher- inherently implies replacing mm-hmm. uh you know it, it, it has the connotation of being something where erase 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 no this one right uh whereas covers are you know covers there's an interesting thing that that occurred to me at one point which is that you've got a movie that you're you're remaking so soon after the other one and yet you have two movies that are for the most part maybe not down to scene to scene level but overall what they're doing very similar yeah you know and i think there's actually a little bit of um you know that that was probably quite a decision. It's like, well, should we try to change this more? Should we try to right. make this different from the other one? And I think it took a lot of confidence to kind of go like, mm, we're we're gonna pretty much follow what the book is doing, from, but try to streamline. From it. what I understand, from what I understand, um, yeah. Fincher <clears throat> deliberately didn't watch the other movie. He's like, I'm just gonna do my thing and not try. Oh, uh, that makes perfect sense. Not try to do that That's, or yeah. not do I, that. Just I don't know if I believe that, but uh, that uh, I get. You, if you, I was you, in a similar situation, I did. I would be. I no, I can't possibly. Yeah. It would totally poison me if I if I looked at the other version. Yeah, I will point out, like in the the previous uh, uh, scene, um, in terms of casting again, uh, Daniel Craig as as Blumquist is way sexier than the other oh. like you, yeah, you yeah, talk about the, the difference between indie and hollywood like that's the that's the one where it's like but in an yeah in an interesting way i feel like uh in the swedish version he's kind of like he's actually he's he's behaving as though he yeah. is like this, really well, this, handsome the sexiness and is in his you know, charisma exactly more than he's his, very charismatic yeah. whereas I, I i like i like this one a lot more not just because daniel craig but also i think his performance is much more sort of interesting to me yeah he's got a lot he's a little of more comic. dimensional yeah you know? He's, yeah, exactly. The craft of filmmaking is a thing that gets thrown by the wayside a lot in the multiplex these days, mm-hmm. uh, which is, a, you know, that's something that's been said forever, but you just don't see as many movies where the people who made it really made the shit out of it. Uh, the Dark Knight comes to mind. That's another one like that, where it's just a craft. It's, a, it's an exercise of craft and also movie. And and the way Fincher tends to handle things is is slow and deliberate and wide and calm and his his shot com- he he tends to compose shots that look great on a big screen he's not afraid for things to be small or dark um in the frame he's not a, he's not afraid to leave the camera in one place for a long ass time uh, he's not afraid to do almost no coverage for a scene he just picks two angles and let the scene do it th- do its thing or he'll do or he'll cover the hell out of it alternatively sometimes yeah well that too but the 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 net result is a movie that to me, they always feel, at least these kind of Fincher movies, always kind of feel like books to me. They always sort of read like a book in terms of the breathing room of it and allowing you to do your own, you know, internal editing and all that stuff and, and decide what you're going to look at. It just, it breathes more. It lets you be a part of it more, which which is weird because it's almost specifically designed to detach you from it. But it has the, ne- well, it has the it's, inverse it's, effect it's, on it's me. It's conveying the confidence that it doesn't have to keep doing shit to make you interested. It's not worried in it. about it's, losing your attention. You know, yeah, yeah. That's what the confidence is. And I it's guess. and it's interesting because um, I mean this this one is based on a book, 
uh, so you can actually compare them. We have we have kind of three points of comparison. We got the yep. book, we got the previous movie, and we got this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the it's interesting to look at the the construction and the writing as well. Which which of course was not Fincher. It was uh, Steve Zalian, I think, is his name. Yeah. Uh, and the choices made. Well, I mean, we're talking about the the craft of directing and stuff like that, but the craft of writing as well. This is this is a much more finely polished and honed version of the adaptation it it gets to the point much quicker it it's much more efficient I, I think in it its makes storytelling. its point better it makes its point better whereas the previous one is more accurate to the book but as we've talked about before that can be to a film's detriment because the book is not the film so it spends so much time trying to get all the aspects of the book in but it's like no no that's not the story that you're telling on the screen and you should and this movie understands that better than the the swedish one does i think it's it's true and there are things like there's there's actually one moment that i really liked in the Swedish one, which is it's a problem, but I, I like this moment where he's he's later he's putting up all the photos on the walls of all the family members and things like that, and he's just sort of starting to make his okay. Here's everybody, and we're going to whittle it down and backs up, and it's it's a yearbook of just photos of all kinds of different sizes because like the family was like all kept in in that one, where, yeah. it's, where it's like dozens and dozens and dozens of people. On this one, it's it's significantly like two or reduced. three people. So at the yeah, end of the I mean, day. you really there's about a half dozen of people who realistically could have. Yeah. Are real suspects, and it's redu- right It's also reduced in the the scene they're going to have, um, you know, the the following morning where they're standing out in the cold, and he's like, "Over there is so and so, over there is so and so, over there is so and so." It's like yeah. that took like half an hour in the in the previous movie yeah. to to get all that information through different scenes. They're like, "Nope, we're just gonna because you need to know this information, and we'll move forward mm-hmm. and get to the more interesting bits." I do feel though that um, obviously, if there's one thing you could count on Fincher to do, it's to make typing on computers and looking through books fucking interesting yeah. and he's he's proven that well before yeah. this movie got made but so that's no surprise but what was interesting i think the swedish one is a little a little more followable to me in in the sort mm-hmm. of the beats of the investigation and kind of looking through i feel like i know what they're looking for and i know what they're discovering as it's happening more effectively in that one than in this one i was getting kind of lost toward the end and she's in the bookstore and she's pointing at the map and i'm kind of like wait i don't all right. these are foreign i don't remember <laughs> that was, who's who yeah i can't track this that was actually a bit where i i had read the book and seen the swedish one so this was my kind of final experience right. in terms of the the evolution of so it. far and i remember but i remembered uh i i thought exactly that during that scene when she's pointing at the map and stuff i'm like i wonder if people kiss who haven't who haven't read the book and stuff like that because this is racing through this stuff a lot a lot yeah. <laughs> right so um that's that's interesting to hear uh, that perspective on mm-hmm. yeah i i certainly didn't like piece it all together <laughs> I was yeah. watching I watched the second there's, there's a certain kind of movie uh, Dark Knight is actually was actually another one where I'm like I watch it and I go there's a point where I just sort of mentally detach from from trying to parse everything <laughs> and I go they've got it worked out yeah. <laughs> clearly they've got to figure it out they'll give me the important bits as yeah, we go I don't, I don't have to like second guess that they don't even, they're making this up but they go along no clearly they've worked this all out and uh, you know if I I'll watch it to, I'll see how this ends and if I care enough to really understand how the hell all the parts fit together maybe I'll watch it again or I'll look at the Wikipedia article or something like that so this is another one of those movies where I'm like okay they, they knew what was going on even if I didn't know what was going on and I just got to the part of the end where you know Stellan Skarsgård is going to stab a guy yeah. and it got interesting mm-hmm. I lo- on on the commentary, I like how they they note that Fincher is like 
There is no sensible way that this accident <laughs> yeah, could have occurred. Like, How on earth did that happen? <laughs> to completely flip over like a yeah. tanker truck. He's like, on this, this makes well, no the sense. The speed limit on that bridge is 85 miles yeah. an hour. Right. Exactly. He's like, we just had to make sure it's it a four-car pileup. Absolutely yeah, on a horrific. bridge, <laughs> on a two-lane bridge. How they pull that off? Yeah. If it was like a bulldozer versus a tanker <laughs> truck, it might make some sense. But uh... I like the warmth in the uh, flashbacks, and yeah. it's it's almost got like that kind of tritone. Sort of the greens are still pretty green. It's sort of vintagey, and you know, keep I do wonder if it's too much though. I feel like I feel like in a movie where everything is just fucking cold blue snow, that he's he's looking for any opportunity right. to like yeah. give you something different. On the on the, on the commentary, he notes, and we may be talking over it, so I'll just I'll just call it out now. Um, this these are uh, Henrik's memories. So in his mind, it's right. very They're it's very sunlit. warm and very you know uh, sunlit. Totally stole like that. that from that Firefly episode. Yeah. And, but but uh, what Fincher points out, and another thing I love about Fincher is he doesn't try and take credit. Like if if shit just accidentally happened and turned out to be brilliant, he doesn't pretend he thought of it. He just like uh-huh. he's like it turned out that way and it's awesome. And one of the things was when they went back to do some reshoots for. Harriet's memories at the end when she's she's climbing in the trunk and stuff like that the weather had changed and it was cold and it was rainy and it was like but and so there was this no that, that's the difference in her memory of it yeah it, it was Winrich. it was like yeah. this is what it was really like and Henrik has this kind of nursery book you know uh, uh fantasy of it uh which he was like that wasn't the plan but it turned out awesome for him it's back when everything was wonderful and for her it's back when everything was a nightmare yeah Yeah. exactly we were talking earlier about uh fincher style you know getting a little too excited about photogrammetry in previous films i think in this film he got a little excited about lens flares on things that don't need lens flares because this light bulb and later on when she's she's just got fluorescent desk lamps over the the stuff she's researching and they've all got anamorphic flares coming out of them it the ultimate irony of it being that you know they they shot this stuff and specifically blacked out parts of the bulb so that it wouldn't flare the lens right and then, then put, put their own in. lens flares back yeah. on top of it so so they could control the flare rather than just having it flash everything out but yeah. in terms of um i i should point out in terms of a technology he got super excited about and is using all over the place here but like we said more confidently and more wisely um is they shot the majority of this movie they shot on the red the red one uh, yeah. which is a 4k camera red they mx were, right sorry mx or mx something? yeah the, the mx the up, updated and sensor and they shot about 20 percent of it on the epics when they started shooting the epics weren't really production That's ready proven yeah. but when they but by a certain point they were able to do it and so a lot of this film a lot of this film has been stabilized and recomposed and stuff like that. So it's a very still film. It's, it's almost uh, sterile. It's almost sterile, and it's and it's occasionally there's a there's a perfection to it that is it it doesn't go over the line to feeling artificial, but it is an artificial perfection. Like there was a the bit in the scene where uh, he was with uh, Erica, and she sits up in the bed, and she comes out and looks at him, and he's typing away on his thing. If you watch that, it's like it's a very still shot. And as she sits up, the camera goes whoop, like perfectly with her. And then it moves aside. And it's like they were it's they were perfect, they yeah. were stabilizing it and they would punch in and then they'd redo the moves and get everything. So it, yeah. throughout this film, the the movie has been kind of perfected. But I think it works. It works. I think for, it makes the point. It makes the point. It works for the content of the film in the sense that. Everyone, everyone is kind of putting on this front and trying to look perfect, and there's this this mm. Im, this darkness and this imperfection. And guarded it. so, and synthetic. Yeah, it's, and... it's a it's 
thematically appropriate that he's doing it that way. I don't know, you know, maybe he just liked it better <laughs> to do it that way, but I think ultimately it turns out to be thematically My favorite example of that is the shot. It was also a big part of the, the big trailer, the original yeah. Immigrant Song trailer, when they're going into the, the house. Up to yeah. the house, yeah. And it, you're going that past feels the like trees, a model and shot. It's, it's it, so and, it's, and it's so hyper-perfect. It looks almost like it can't really be yeah. real. Because your first thought is, oh, it's in a car. But then it's it's not jiggling at all. Yeah. There's not even like, you know, residual motion blur from when they stabilized. It's fucking yeah. perfect. The time and all of that. That's one of that's exactly one of those 5K punch in stabilized yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a Kubrick. If, if Kubrick were alive, he'd be all over the <laughs> stuff. Well, actually, I was gonna I'm gonna bring up Kubrick later uh in the rape scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, okay. But draw clockwork what, clockwork orange parallel yeah. coming. Okay. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. It's just funny because because <laughs> yeah. I already, once you once you say it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. I um I love her. <laughs> If you if you asked me how I felt about Rooney Mara, right? Not Mara Rooney. Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara, yes. Uh, Rooney and Numi. Uh, if you asked me yeah. how I felt about Rooney Mara after the social network, I would have said, which one was she? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. After this, the social network becomes oddly more impressive. I think the social network role was an, a much easier role to play. A much easier role to play. Well, yeah. But this well, one... Yeah. Well, but, you look at it and you go, how is that the same Exactly. Person? Because, yeah. it, well, that basically what it does is... I was is, completely astonished when I found out after seeing it twice. Yeah. It, it yeah. Make, it, it's, it's the same thing as if you're, you you see, like, someone who's been around for a long time, but then they do, like, this amazing breakout performance and you kind of... It paints your opinion of them even retroactively. You know, when the Majestic comes out or Eternal Sunshine, you go back and look at the mask and go... He has that in wow. him? Same guy? Yeah. Huh. Uh, and it's the same thing Tom here Hanks, for because that you know she the guy the guy from the show about the guys who dress like women is a big actor. <laughs> now. I'm also surprised. Have you guys noticed that she hasn't actually like you? You might expect for her to suddenly become like a the new hot shit female Philip Seymour Hoffman person or Paul Giamatti. A lot that, of this, by the way, digital snow. It was not this. Yeah, and so. it's good looking snow. Yeah, too. it's great. They, they did it right. Yeah. The but one, on the ground and everything. Go ahead. The only uh, the only snow shot that kind of bugs me is when they're following the train when he's coming out here for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and that's a fully digital shot. Yeah. But, really? Yeah. Really? There's a there's a number of Get like out. And, and in the uh, in the in the um, snow does weird shit like that. Though. Yeah, in the, mo in, yeah, the yeah, yeah. in the in the car chase at the end, there's a number of fully, fully digital, digital shots, shots that yeah. are like, are you serious? But anyway, may, sorry, continue your point. What I was going to say is just you might expect her to have blown up and become this instant. Oh shit! We can give her anything. She's really good at everything. Let's do this. And I haven't actually seen her anything since then. I, I don't even know that she's been in stuff well, since this. Or it's only been a couple of years. Yeah, right? she may be yeah. working. On uh, yeah, it. I mean, she, we might see I'm the sure she we, we might see the fucking deluge of Rooney Mara movies in yeah. the couple, next couple months. But there's no yeah, there's no question that she completely threw herself into this role. Yeah, and, you know, committed to it and and was you know rightfully nominated for the Oscar for it and everything else. And, and that also and, and totally deservedly so. It's an amazing performance. One of the things that makes it I earlier used the word studied, and I think it's a good word to use. But one of the things that might affect that and make it seem more studied is the fact that she has to be hyper-focused in every scene regardless because she's making an accent. You can't just kind of, you know, mm, yeah. you, you can't just sort yeah. of relax and do a scene and right. fake an accent. You kind of have to be on top of that because you, you're worried that you're going to screw up your R here or something like that. And that might have the net result of she seems really focused in the whole movie. Um, and it's good. The performance yeah. sings, but it's that might be part of it. They have big cans of cat food in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, got yeah. big cats, man. Yeah, they they bite, don't, your, bite your head. You don't want to have to go to the store just, <laughs> as often. That's <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I like the cat. I uh, yeah, the cat. I'm is gonna like go out the on a limb and, and proclaim that I like the cat. No, uh, the Swedish version doesn't have the cat in it, and it is in the book and used for the same sort of, you know, this nice little casual kind of thing that happens. He and literally then it gets, saves a cat, and yeah. then and then is mutilated on the doorstep yeah. to, as sort of a hey, that's, guess that's, what kind of book you're reading? Yeah, that's right. Welcome to the book. Yeah.
Fincher also pointed out, which I hadn't really realized before, but um, and it, I, I don't know that it necessarily um, speaks extremely well to, Mm-mm. I don't know, Fincher or Blomqvist or who. But mm. he, basically, he basically goes, Blomqvist's relationship with the cat is very similar to his relationship with Salander, ultimately. Um, you know, yes, it's, actually, it's this, huh? Yes, <laughs> yeah, true. But it's this. It's this. I, I don't understand the comparison he's drawing. Kind of the the. It's this this feral creature that he kind of well, lets into his life and is yeah. you know there it's, to comfort and 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 provide comfort to but, and, but and try to protect. But you can't tell if it really can't. likes him or not. Or, yeah. See, and they. Slept, I think that's actually cat. that's actually well. Ooh, yep. Yeah. Boom. Wow. Yeah, okay. But there is a there is a difference in that you know he he didn't sort of she didn't kind of just show up and he's like oh okay yeah. he actually went and. Basically kicked in her front door and said, "Here, come with me, and let's go do this mystery." What happened? I love the mo- the moment. Well, the cat was on his uh, like on his coat as he's yeah. putting it on or his robe, and he's pulling out and it just like freaks out, <laughs> kind of claws at him a little. Yeah. And he's like, "Jesus!" And and they were talking about they were like, "We did not. This was not a trained." Yes, yeah, like you can't train a cat so, to do that. So right. they basically whatever the cat does, we will form the scene around it. Yeah. So the cat. The cat kind of flipped out like that, and they and that is a legitimate reaction from Daniel Craig. Oh yeah, yeah. like Jesus. And but they were like, perfect, print it. That's right. The second take with the cat. There's a famous story about. Um, I think it's the Diary of Anne Frank. The the movie. Oh, yeah. Diary. You know the, the yeah. you know the cat. You know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah. There's a scene in the Diary of Anne Frank where, oh, so ahead, where a cat a cat is they're trying to be quiet because the Nazis are going to hear them instead of being and there's a cat who like is it gets his head stuck it, in it a gets thing its or head stuck in like a can or a jar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or and it's like it's like in your. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, the cat's really!" And it's like this incredibly suspenseful scene of this cat. And the, and the question was always, "How in the hell did they train a cat to do that?" And the answer is, the uh, the actual secret answer is, they just had a whole second unit where they just said, "Film a cat forever until something cool happens." Nice. I mean, Smart. that's all you can do. You can't train a cat to do something like that. Yeah. So yeah, when you could have put a cat in a scene, it's like you're lucky if he stays in the shot. You know, like that's a win if he if he doesn't run off uh, run off camera. Yeah. Christopher Plummer, I love. I love Rock. Christopher Plummer. He's great. I actually like him. Now, there's. There, it's. A, I think the most striking difference between two interpretations of the characters between the movies is with him, because in the other movie he's much more prickly. I guess he's he's much more standoffish. That's a that's a small piece of just the whole family's reaction to him in the Swedish one, which is just like he is completely resented and hated while he's there. Yeah. And they want to, they want him the fuck out of there, which is not as present in this one. And this guy's he's very warm he's, and sort he, of jovial. You kind of you kind of like him. And yeah. um the way he gets used, I think is much more effective. I think the whole scene where he comes and has his first meeting with homeboy Van Van Vanger, I forget. Darkman just went to the bathroom. What, who, Daniel Craig? Uh, Plummer. No. I think he's Vanger. Okay. Um, but the first scene where Daniel Craig comes up and talks to him and he's explaining the whole thing and 40 years ago, Harriet pictures tree leaves. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. I think The it, most uh, detestable collection of human beings you will ever meet. My family. That scene plays better in this nice. one, I think, because I, I think it's a writing thing. I think that one goes to Zalian. Um, it's just the, the way the, oh, yeah. the points are made the pace at which they are revealed mm-hmm. and the and the sort of drop the mic moment at the end with the leaves i think all three of those things play better in this one i think the dialogue overall is way more fantastic in this movie like it's it's just there's so many great just little clever bits and just i mean they're not that this is how you should rate dialogue in a movie but there's so many trailer lines and it's not like they all got used in the trailer but there are so many that are worthy of it you know well i mean at the end of the day a trailer line is just a line that makes a point much more clearly than a whole scene would yeah and, you know, that's something to strive for. You don't want to make a movie out of nothing but trailer moments because then you get surrogates. 
<laughs> but <laughs> trailer lines are not necessarily enviable, but not a bad quality either. I love the rain falling down in the lights, and I'm always I'm always surprised that it cuts out right as it is going right past the lights. I'm like, getting good. That's so that's such a great shot. Why don't yeah. you play the whole thing? But I'm sure that was just the best part of it. So. Yeah, there's another one of those perfect repos that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Repo, the plural repo reposition. Cool stuff. And you know, it for some. <clears throat> now, Trey, you weren't huge on this movie, though, right? No, I'm remain on huge. Yeah. Is it just this? Does it, is it just a lack of connection, or is there something you don't like about he it? He's doing the highlighting all wrong, by the way. People do that all <laughs> the just, time. He's, he's just highlighting, highlighting everything. everything. Yeah, it's, it's like, like yes, I've read this. Yeah, I've read so this. It's okay. all yellow. What are you accomplishing when you highlight? Like, well, it's, it's the answer is you know it, it's it's a movie that I came to with no need to to love it. I'm you know I'm not like oh my god, Fincher's brilliant. He's a Fincher's a guy who's making movies in in our world today. Um, it's I know nothing of the material. I didn't see the original. I didn't read the book. And I was like, all right, it's a movie that someone has made. Let me look at it. And I watched it. And I was like, well, that was a cold, dark slice of hell that was well made. <laughs> you know, like like I said, just like Dark Knight. It was like Dark Knight Rises. It was like, okay, there's a movie that happened that many people worked on. Um, and like I said, I don't I don't dislike it. It's just you know, it does. It, I watched it and it was it was like, okay, that. I over. I, I guess yeah. as a movie, it's like you know, you're not supposed to go. Well, I just wasted two hours of my life, and I didn't feel that. It was like, well, that was a story that was told to me that was interesting and kept me engaged. And I, that, I oh, yeah, but, you know, I haven't been inspired to see it since until now, and and I'm not likely to ever see it again. What what is he from? He was like a I just saw him in something the other day. Yeah. It's making me crazy. He was in. He, he was like a, a priest or something. In yes, some fantasy yes. Movie or, in oh, the, oh, he's he's uh, the, the, he's master um, uh, Lewin or yes, whatever it yes. is. Yes, yes. Of at, course, he's Master Lewin in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're, we're okay now. Phew. <laughs> All right. That would have driven us up the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of and movie. where's Robin Wright been since Princess Bride? I guess raising raising Sean's kids. No. She was. She had a thing a little while back. I don't remember the movie though. She you know does a lot of indie stuff these days. I guess Daniel Craig. I like the way his presence works. A lot of movie stars, especially the movie stars that will later end up getting cast as James Bond, can really turn on charisma and, and, and overpower anything they're in. And usually it's a lot of fun because if you like that person, then that's just them being what you'd call likable. But Daniel Craig feels like a very small, solid presence in every scene he's in. He doesn't feel wafy. He doesn't feel like he's about no. to blow away. But he also doesn't dominate things he's got he's got charisma but he's also a a very rare thing in in kind of someone who becomes a movie star and stuff like that he's got he's got the level of charisma but he's also got a vulnerability that he's willing to bring out because he's a pretty boy with his big blue yeah. there's there's a there's a wonderful little piece of behind the scenes on this where each of the they, they get little vignettes from each of the main actors talking about sort of their process a little bit and how they how they go about acting and he's got a great thing that stuck with me um where he says uh one of the things that he learned early on in in sort of his acting career, as someone told him, I don't remember who it was, but he said that you can never be in control of a scene. Even if the scene is about you, you are the focused, you have the most dialogue. It's not about the ratio of how much you're doing. It's like you can you you can never be in control because you always are having you have to react to everything that's happening around you and you have to just be sort of very fluid and dynamic to that and and that was always I, I'm not. I'm sure I'm not saying it as well as he did in that thing. But go find that feature His because it's really. Being, it's exactly what you were what you were saying, which is just that you don't. You can never dominate it. So just be there and react to yeah. the scene, right? Because you know your character doesn't know what's going to happen at the end of the scene. I think I I really like him as an actor. I you know even in movies that I don't like, like Cowboys and Aliens, I I like him in them. Yeah, I think he, I think yeah. he, he does his job beautifully. Um, 
the thing that's interesting about him is, is it seems like, I mean, it's, it's been several years now, really, but I, I don't think I was ever aware of him until suddenly Daniel Craig's going to be James Bond. Like, who? Who's going to be James Bond? What what was he before James Bond? Layer Cake. I just he saw him the first time last so, night, actually. So, like, smaller indie movies, and now, you know. That was yeah. Matthew Vaughn's first movie, actually. There you yeah. go. So, so Bond basically is what made him a star. I feel like I, I feel like there had been one more thing between Defiance? La- Layer Cake and I. No, I think Defiance I was, after, was after, I think. Yeah. I know was he later. was in. I know he was in Golden Compass, but I think that was after as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Casino Royale Bond was what kind of made him blew him up. Yeah. yeah. In any case, uh, I, I think he's a great Bond. I, this is a, yeah. This is a, a, a good scene. But uh, I saw Layer Cake for the first time last night. That's a check that movie out. That's cool. It's a fun little movie. I need to, I need to see that. It's one, one of those again. British crime movies. It yes. is, but it's it's much it's not. It feels different than others in a way that I have a hard time putting my finger on. It it feels. Not as confident as this, but confident. It's Matthew Vaughn's debut, and it's the sort of debut that goes makes you go, "Yeah, that guy's going to make a lot of good movies." Uh, just the way it's assembled, it was cool. Not a perfect movie, but I, I really liked it. She is so odd looking. Yeah. And what's mm-hmm. crazy is how conventionally pretty she really is. Yeah. yeah. She what? is really, really. A, she's a pretty girl in Social Network, and she is so alien looking in this movie. Well, she, they they. They play up the like you said the, the uh, boniness and the lack of colors on her face and Lisbeth is Lisbeth is more is more feminine in the Swedish version and this one she's, oh much more. she's in this one she's very androgynous they pay, play that aspect of her up uh, a good bit more I think I I want to put this out there because this isn't something I necessarily have an answer to but I feel like in the two portrayals of Lisbeth the in, in the Swedish version, she, yes, there's the more more feminine and that kind of thing. Smoky but eyes and all that. In general, not just in terms of appearance, but in the performance, I think she has a lot more um, confidence and actually aggressiveness just sort of on the surface, not once you have pissed her off and she shows up. In the with Swedish a, one? A te- yeah, yeah. And in this one, she's actually very sort of meek and, and, and her head's down and she's very sort of reserved and doesn't want to like – almost she's like germaphobic in, in certain parts. Ah, and, yeah. and she's very – There's a, the, the antisocial part comes through loud and clear. Right. But it also kind of is almost like a, a weak thing. And then it's, like, it's a switch that gets flipped and then she just goes – you know, can go nuts. Right. And I think that – that services this movie well, especially later on when it's kind of, you know, she is uh, runs off to murder someone. But um, I think as I, I, I found that interesting and I kind of liked her in the Swedish one in that, I don't know, there was never a time where I where I thought that she was kind of afraid of anything in a weird way. In the Swedish one? Yeah. Well, I think just generally she's more sympathetic in that movie I, it might even have to do with the way numi literally looks she has really big cartoon eyes yeah and uh, that mm-hmm. makes you you know she's an anime character yeah she is and she's more her face is fuller she's she also has wide cheekbones and a beautiful face but her face is fuller rooney's has the the, the capacity of if you light it right looks odd and bony and almost like a geiger painting sometimes <laughs> um which really makes her feel a little bit she she feels more prickly in this one. She feels less sympathetic in this one. That's interesting because because I don't know. I I I what you were saying. She feels more th- that there's more of a vulnerability to her in this movie. Yeah, and you would think that would make her feel more, more sympathetic. sympathetic. Yeah. yeah. So 
I agree. Um, Andrew, it's interesting where that exactly reaction sure coming why from. That, why that is. If and maybe it's only me, too. If there's anything that would make me possibly be inspired to see the original, it is Numi. Is it Rapace? Do we know? That's, that seems, that seems normal it for sounds a Swedish like, yeah. name. For if you're assuming she's Swedish. Because, Rapace. Rapace. Yeah. Rapace. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's Rapace. I it's think pronounced Gesundheit. But uh, they said it on Because Prometheus. I'm really interested by in her because, of course, I, I've only seen her in one thing, and that was, of course, Prometheus. No. Soon. Very soon. <laughs> but um, I really liked – I thought she was fascinating. I think she's – you know, was really fascinating. And for yeah. me, that she yeah. wasn't given necessarily a lot of good things to do, but, you know, amazing uh, look. And, of course, and I was like, oh, she's the original girl with the dragon tattoo. That would maybe kind of go, oh, I'm kind of interested in seeing that now because just, just for her. She also was in um, uh, Sherlock Holmes 2, I think. Yeah, she well, was, there's a movie I'm yeah. never going to see. Yeah, that's – that's what it is. That's what that's layer cake. That's layer cake. It is not a Guy Ritchie movie. Okay. Yeah, that's, actually, that's, that's, that's and that's why I'm turned off. They go, oh, it's an indie British crime drama. No, thank you. Been there, done that. Actually, it's seen those. It does not feel like a Guy that's Ritchie. That's why movie. I need. Okay. That's why I need to watch it again. I was thinking exactly that because at the time I'd seen Lock, Stock, and Snatch and stuff, and then I saw Layer Cake. I'm like, the hell is this? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not how you make this kind of movie. Although so, I did like In Bruges, but that's yeah. more of a comedy. So so I need to go back and and watch it again with the understanding that oh, because Matthew Vaughn. Okay. So it was a long, you know, I haven't seen it in however eight years, whenever it came out. Stone Skarsgård is a badass man. Yeah, he's he a bird is. Ass. Tell me I'm a badass. He's, he's not, though he's not yet like a, a Max von Sydow or anything. <laughs> he where, will be someday. He, but, but he's the one where he shows up in a movie and you're like, he's the bad guy. Well, I don't know what's I mean, going on, but he's the bad, he's, he's the one not behind. The bad Bill Nye is going to go in that direction too. He's not the bad guy in Avengers. Uh, no, he's not. He's kind of turned into sort of a bad guy. Yeah, but he's not really, really a bad guy. Well, yeah, yeah but so is Hawkeye. So, I, you know, it is funny your, that your he's, invalid. he is kind of almost <laughs> the only one in physically good enough shape to be running around abducting and murdering people, yeah. though. <laughs> I don't know if that anyone smelled that out while we were doing it. Everything about this scene is a master class. Um, and, uh, and it boils down the, the, that way for a lot of the scenes in this. But Do you like this scene better than the corresponding scene in the Swedish one? Much more. Really? I feel like this. Well, they, 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 again, this is where it gets into the point where it's actually unfair to compare them because they are rather different. But Mm -hmm. I think the intention of this scene is slightly different in this one. And also, the, this is as uneconomical as Fincher gets in this entire movie. This is, this is the most coveragey he gets. And it, A, it fits, which it, it probably actually shouldn't. Um, because everything else is no, so slow and, and deliberate, and this one was very cutty, this, that, and the other. The other but scenes aren't also, action. But so, it, you know, it, yeah. it's simultaneously, in that way, uneconomical, and yet completely economical. It, 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 it feels as if you are watching the whole thing without a cut. It, right. It, it, you, your brain follows the geography of the whole scene very well, up and down the stairs and everything else, and back onto the subway. And it, it feels... Looking back on it, even right now, as if there was only like two or three shots in yeah. that scene. Cutting back, cutting a lot, cutting fast is okay if you're cutting wisely because like you said if you're cutting really fast and you can't keep up with the geography then it's just a mess if you are cutting fast but you're cutting to you know different shots that are are helping you understand the story that's being told then it's not going to throw you off and it's not going to distract you well it's like scenes in a movie each one has to be useful and be doing something that you you get out of it instantly just as fast as it's there and gone right I mean, the, the point of coverage in, that is, in a scene like that is not to be like the guy with the bank of security cameras and just looking at it from different angles. Right. It's to be a filmmaker about it and, you know, all these obvious fucking platitudes. But it was just, it's a good scene. I like the way it works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they bang in the original story. Yeah. Yeah. That's Basically, because Mikkel is fucking – Yeah. He's a, he's a player, man. Yeah. He's he a, is. He's a, he's a he's a man bimbo. What's crazy is <laughs> – He's a man bimbo. A mambo? He's a mambo. He's a mambo. Burnk. 
Lou Bega. That's right. I remember you. It's just me, man. <laughs> That's right. I have that on I, my it's iPod. Good. It's a good song. <laughs> it's actually a cover. It's not even his song. He just put lyrics on an old Mamba that actually exists. Nice. Which was called Mamba Number 5. See? Covers. Brilliant. <laughs> it's a remix. I feel like we should see more... It's crazy because I, I simultaneously hold opposing viewpoints on this subject, which gives me a cognitive dissonance when it, when it comes to remakes. I, I, like everyone else, get tired when it's like, we're remaking... But why? I mean, you know, why? But at the same time, I would love if it was more endemic and throughout the culture constantly all the time that we... we oh, fuck, I want to see the new... I'm actually, that's one of the reasons I'm excited about the Star Wars thing. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to have multiple takes on even the exact same story. Right. Uh, and not even just as an exercise for comparison, but also because it's, it's, it's fun to have preferences. It's fun to be able to see and understand people's choices and their styles. And it's much easier to do that when you have two things that are supposed to be very similar. The, the only thing I know that, that comes close to this, and I haven't, I still haven't had the opportunity to, um, well, I mean, I've had the opportunity. I just haven't taken it. Um, but I, I haven't gotten around to watching the, uh, the two Exorcist prequels. Because mm. they, made, they made a prequel to The Exorcist called Dominion by Paul Schrader. And it was like too slow and cerebral for the taste of the, uh, the studio. So they fired him, brought, some, uh, brought Rennie Harlan in to kind of punch it up a little bit. And he wound up basically reshooting the entire film. Uh, and that one's called Exorcist the Beginning. So there's these, and that wasn't, that one was the one that got released in theaters, but they ultimately released Dominion on uh, home video. So you can now see both versions mm. of what was intended to be the same movie. Oh, wow. I haven't taken the time to do so yet, but I'm fascinated by the idea and I want to get around to it's it. It's almost like that Superman thing where they had the, the whole Donner cut. Oh, right. So, yeah, I was going to say, the didn't the they, did cut. they ever, they, they did release. That's out now, yeah. Yeah, they the, released like the Donner original too. Superman 2. I didn't, yeah. I wish I had something insightful to say about yeah. that, but I just know that it exists. But it's there. Putting that out there. Yeah. yeah. I didn't care about the Superman movies enough to actually go back and check them. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. first one the first one still, I think, is pretty much a yeah. classic. But yeah, the sequels were a series of diminishing returns. <laughs> so, uh, this guy. Yeah, boy. Beerman. Yorick. What a... Man, what a role. <laughs> what a role to have to do. It's like, it's yeah, one, no kidding. It's one of those, I know. It's one of those ones where, like, the two of them, it's like you hope, like, you know, they went off and had coffee at the commissary going, yeah, so today we're doing that scene. Yeah, and then we're tomorrow doing that other scene. So, okay then. You know, it's like as an actor, you know, to, to, to have to do scenes like that is, you know, it's an amazing yeah. Yeah, I process. Mean, mm -hmm. And it's just, I can't imagine as an actor... I mean, I said this, I think, before on the Harry Potter commentary. I can't imagine being the... I can't imagine being self-confident enough to be like, yes, I'm going out for a fat, awful uncle. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. my... That's sure. I got it. Yeah. Um, and, and even more so being like, I am... The horrifying I'm the fat rape monster. That's yeah. who I am in this movie. I'm doing it. And then what's worse oh. is then, you know, the people compliment you and you're like, wow, you, you were very believable yeah. as that awful rapist. You yeah. were amazing uh, as that you, horrifying you gross person. Yeah. Yeah, so this this is what makes it's like even even being a good movie, people are like, "Hey, should I check out?" Uh, no, <laughs> not necessarily. I'm not no. sure you should. I don't think I don't think you should. Like certainly, <laughs> certain people that I know, I'm like, you should not watch that movie. You should oh, yeah. not watch certainly. That movie. Yeah. I mean, people who have experiences along these lines. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I mean, if 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 any movie trigger was, was going to be a trigger, yeah. it's you know this yeah. and <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is to see uh, even someone as as similarly lauded as Fincher as uh, Darren Aronofsky, the way they handle mm. stuff like this, 
because the 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 unconsensual unconsensual sex scenes in Requiem are exploitative. Uh, it, it 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 it. I think it, I think it works in the overall context of the movie, but the way they play is very visceral. Is is very punching you in the god that shot look at that quick shot. shout out to go, uh, go get the features and I watch venture. there's a whole feature on just doing that shot yeah. which is yeah. actually very interesting yeah. but the way it works in in, in requiem is inserts and, and loud and sounds on the edits and that kind of thing uh, and 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 this that scene in particular but even more spe- uh, especially the the real rape scene that's coming up here in a bit oh that wasn't even the rape scene that wasn't even <laughs> yeah. the real rape scene that was just the you know not a real rape. Not a that was the not a, not a legitimate rape scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What rape is to sex, that was to flirting. That's yeah. what the rape scene later is going to be. The uh, but the, oh what later in the in the next yeah, one is, is I'll, I'll put it this way: Drew McWeeny lately has had this uh, this opinion put out, and I, I agree with it. I was feeling it myself, and he kind of articulated it better than I will here. But I agree that of all of the things that happen in movies rape scenes are one of the ones that i'm losing the most patience for yeah because they are uh, obviously they are a direct line to an emotional response to the audience and i think they are treated too cavalierly not that i think they don't understand the significance or the meanness or the horribleness of the rape stuff that's not my point my point is very cheap though it's very cheap it's very it's 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 an exploitation thing to have it's almost a crutch at this exactly and there's very few recent examples of rape scenes in movies that while you get into really weird hot water and you start using terms like earn or deserve. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get you. The movie earns that. Story-wise. The, the movie, not the, we're not talking about the characters. Right. We're talking about story. The movie, yeah. the movie right. Careful. is appropriately... <laughs> Don't send that email. The, the movie <laughs> is appropriately derailed by the significance of that. And it doesn't just happen in one scene and then it doesn't matter well, for the rest of the movie. That was a good way of putting it. And I felt the same way. The first time I watched this, like the, the movie really came, in, you know, a... Uh, a, an inch of, of losing me the third time she went to his house yeah. after after the ass rape and then she goes back again and I'm like no this I'm about to take my popcorn and go because fuck this and yeah. uh, and then she tases him then and they, like then they turn it around okay like, all okay right, well, all right then. it's it's but I still feel like man that was that was quite a trip to have to take like to get to the part where we just we get that she's a badass and care of this problem with this dude and. Yes, it's, yeah. you know. It's, now, it's interesting that you say that because Fincher says on the commentary that when they screened it for some people at Sony and stuff like that, oh, that uh, yeah, sure. they had exactly that reaction. Yeah, yeah. He was like, when they... I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. watch this scene again. When she, <laughs> and I don't want to see how you one-up yeah. the last one. When, yeah. she went, when she went back to his place, they, they were that close to losing sympathy for her because it's oh, like yeah. you know you knew what was coming how could you go back and exactly. then she the taser comes right. out and stuff exactly. like that but um he it's it's so in that way it was effective right. I yeah guess we can say now At based least. on the definition i was sketching out earlier about what exploitative means when it comes to rape scenes um what i just said actually doesn't apply to Requiem for a dream it does impact the film it does get earned and all that mm-hmm. stuff by the film and it is played out to the effect that the film is trying to have not just to you know gut punch you with that scene. The whole movie is trying to gut punch you, but at least it's consistent. Um, yeah. But it's exploitative in the. We're gonna get real weird now about this conversation. It's the way Spielberg would shoot a rape scene <laughs> would border on exploitative and trying to trying to force the emotion of the scene onto you with the way the camera's working and the editing's working and all of that. And Fincher handles it much more like Kubrick would, which is more. A theater, more proscenium, and there's, it's you're you're back from this. It's, it's well out of the range of you. 
It's not telling you how to feel about it. It's just putting the camera in the back of the room and saying, this is what happened. Sorry. Yeah. The closest, uh, it's interesting if you, if you want to, if you want to uh, get the closest Spielberg ever got to that was in Munich. Mm-hmm. Munich yeah. I was going to say, wait, when, when did Spielberg ever do anything remotely uh, like a race? Yeah. It's, well, there's, it's, there's a sex scene. Hook. It's, a, it's, cons- yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a, it is a consensual scene between, you know, the main character and his wife. And so there's that, but, He's having like full on PTSD as he's having sex with her, and that's probably right. the closest, you know, he would come. And it's like all you said, intercutting it, yeah, and everything. It's, it's very, very heavy and very aggressive with the emotion and the the way it's constructed to to manipulate you into right. feeling something. So, and like I said, in this movie, and uh, this is not the way Fincher does things. He's had uh, dubiously consensual sex scenes before that don't act this way, but in this movie. Every time that sort of thing is happening, it is he sets up he puts the ball on the tee for you with a, with a little bit of a close up here and of that beforehand, just so you can kind of get a sense of the characters and how they're feeling. And then he just steps back, and it's not quite as much of a of a photography gimmick as when the camera leaves the rape in the Shawshank production. Like it literally just yeah. pulls back and then goes around the corner. That's a it's a cool scene. It's, think, a, it's an interesting shot, but he doesn't go that far. He literally just it's almost like he put the camera on a tripod in the back of the. I think room. both are kind of doing the same thing, and that it's trying to make you feel helpless to do anything. Yeah, like you, the viewer. Yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly yeah. that's the, that's the net effect of what happens. And I think even though it seems counterintuitive, he pull away from See, the closed think, door. They, well, he, he covered himself because he could have cut there. <laughs> it's like yeah. okay, that's we, true. Yeah, we yeah. could have cut there and just done sound effects and okay. You know, yeah, it could have been done right there. That's the TV it, version. The TV version is going to lose the next five minutes of the movie. Uh, right. And, and, and what's, ter- what's really uh, the double punch of this is he, they do the they do the, they play it like that and they fade out as if like, nope, oh, okay, you have they're to not going to show the oh god now we're going to watch the whole thing. Uh-huh. Good lord, no, you're right. Experience the whole thing in real time. So right here he's kind of just putting up the ball in the tee and kind of giving you how everyone feels about this, and then he just he's going to leave the camera back. He's going to do a little bit of cutting, but it's not going to be. It's not going to be a requiem. It's not going to be the way you handle right. that kind of a, a, of a sequence. Which and the is, net effect, even though it's counterintuitively, uh, even though it's counterintuitive, the net effect is you feel more for the characters when you're not being forced to feel for the characters. Right. Well, it's more, it's more, it's more horrifying because it feels less artificial. It's like I'm just going to put the camera here, and this is happening. Yeah. You know, and and so that makes it that that makes the experience much more visceral and much more you know horrifying. Um, because because the the artifice is taken away, the idea is you know oh well they they did this in in cuts and you can kind of reassure yourself that it's not really happening. Of course, it's not really happening, but it's just so much more real when they do it that way. The face in the butt was an interesting choice. Yeah, <laughs> throw that out. I wonder to what degree the director and the actors feel comfortable with each other when like that was something that he just did. Because he just, the actor just came up with that, and Venture has to go. Yeah, not so much with putting your face yeah. in her butt. He's yeah, like, oh, that sorry. Wow, didn't see that coming. I was in the moment, and I was, I was yeah. Yeah, sorry. It seemed like what I would do as a, as a, <laughs> as a like, character, yeah, just, you, know. you know, as an act, as again, as, as two actors like playing a scene. You know, this is for ever. This, I guess, I think there's a there's some kind of preconception in the you know non from non-filmmakers that you know it's oh it's really awesome to shoot like nude scenes and sex scenes no it's the worst it's yeah. the worst and you know a rape scene is like the worst of the worst right but just regular sex scenes are embarrassing and difficult and painful and weird and you know uncomfortable for everyone involved you know there's nothing fun about shooting a sex scene in a movie yeah and uh i, I was going to say something but i've completely lost it now <laughs> because Camera work, rape? sex scenes. Because rape. Yeah. Actors, um, because rape, yeah. Actors so. and how they act in sex scenes. Yeah. 
I don't know. It'll come back. Okay. Fair enough. They had it, Fincher points out in the commentary like the sort of the glasses hanging from the temples, but under the chin is a thing that he's he says he's seen more than one writer do <laughs> as just a writer thing. Apparently that he observed and let him do. Weirdly enough, in terms of construction, um, the two main characters of this movie have yet to meet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like halfway through before. Yeah, they they haven't, and, yeah, I mean they're 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 involved in in a way that he doesn't know yet. But uh, you know the fact that there there are two I, different I, movies actually, going on still. Yeah, I actually just I remembered what I was going to say, which is that again, like we talked about before, this this whole business and and her getting raped and her getting her revenge and stuff like that. That is actually the more if you're going to tell the story of the books. That is the more important yeah, sure. part of the story yeah, because right. because what she what she does next has major ramifications in the in the later um, stories. Okay, so, putting the tattoo on yeah. him and stuff like that. I was, it's like meanwhile, you know, he's he's you know, he's figuring out the thing with the weird family, but really yeah. the story is going. On. Yeah. The, yeah. The one interesting thing that I actually liked more about the Swedish version, sort of heading up into about the halfway point is that there's actually a lot more connection between the two of them yeah. um, in from their separate plot lines. Like she's, she's, it's made very clear that she is still, even though she's done doing the background check on him, she's following all of his progress by hacking into his stuff every yeah. day and pulling all his files and then sends him an email that's easily traceable, cluing him into the Bible verses um, being the numbers, not the phone numbers, which in this in this version, uh, his daughter comes and visits and then just sort of casually points it out and he's like, oh my god. Um, but the the um, Swedish one is more authentic to the book in that way. And to me, that made it feel more kind of like you're willing to watch each of these two have their separate plot for half a movie um, when there's a little bit of a connection going, you know, leading up to that as opposed to this where it's just you're watching two different things and you're kind of like, um, I guess – these will have something to do with each other, you know. On the subject of the book, um, I want to talk to Mike about this, but I, I yesterday on Twitter, I just basically yelled at everyone that follows our Twitter and said, please email me your opinions. I want to bring them up. Uh, and one of the more interesting emails I got was from Mickey, who used to be our TV trips correspondent. She's been on here a few times. And on the subject of the book, she says that I was amazed the book was so popular before the movie. So I forced myself to read it in its entirety. And all I could think was that Stieg Larsson wasn't sure he was ever going to write anything else after. So he crammed every <laughs> single plot element he could muster into one. Including, but not limited to, corporate espionage, rape, murder, anal, BDSM, mystery, religion, incest, <laughs> Nazis, suicide, lesbians, abuse, hacking, adultery, family disputes, conspiracy, piracy, mental instability, and it's and a surprise twist ending. Uh, wow. She says it was long and boring no and, a pathetic, and a pathetic grasping at straws attempt to shock the reader. Um, Mike, how did you feel about the book? <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What was what was I, I remember later because I did you did you, I, I'm curious. Sorry. The, the the one thing I'm most interested in and does, was it a was it good? Like I mean, there's all this stuff, but you can still make something that's very readable, and you're kind of like, yes, a, a good author wrote. This. I've heard comparisons to Da Vinci Code. A I wouldn't say it's as wow. bad as Da Vinci Code. I don't think it's as bad as Dan Brown, but it is pretty. It, it's not so like Da Vinci Code. I had to force myself to continue reading, and and uh, this, this is this is perhaps just not deserving of the acclaim that it's. Yeah, yeah. This gotten. one is like it's it's perfectly readable. Once like I don't I don't hate myself forcing myself to move from one sentence to the next like I did with <laughs> Da Vinci Code or Twilight. Um, Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, exactly. But I just it was more of a in in that sense it was almost more of a bafflement cuz i'm cuz i'm reading it and it's perfectly readable and perfectly you know fine and i'm just going along you're waiting for the part and where... the whole the whole time i'm like but why why am i why is yeah. any of this happening why am i reading this and then i get to the end of the book and i'm like okay it wasn't in there so i'll guess i'll go <laughs> to the next one because 
it's so popular, there has to be something. And then I get to the end of the third book and I'm like, what? I don't Son why? of a bitch. Yeah. You just <laughs> don't you just don't get involved in with the characters and, and, and feel the things as they're happening. Yeah. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. It's just a then... bunch of stuff that happens and and everyone's drinking coffee all the time. <laughs> that was that was the thing that distracted me the most. It's like every time someone walks into a room, like they gotta make coffee or someone's gotta get offer them coffee. It's like Jesus well, Christ. It's they're always up late and sweet. Yeah. I guess I think that I guess the new the new version of that is the inexplicably phenomenally popular thing is 50 shades of gray which by all by Not all gonna... by all accounts is atrociously written is just an atrocious <laughs> book and uh, you know i just i've read excerpts of it and people's like i can't believe this. is this even english i mean it's just one of those books that uh, you know like wow for some reason for some ungodly reason I don't, yeah, I don't God understand. can't send the asteroid fast enough to end our civilization because this is what we're interested in. Yeah, I don't, and I don't understand how it happens sometimes. I don't quite understand. Like, there are plenty of other books just like Twilight that yeah. exist and did exist. Why Twilight? Why is that the one that that lit the fuse? And and similarly, Fifty was Shades... Was it an Oprah Book Club thing? I don't know, maybe. Because Fifty Twilight, Shades... Of, probably not, but Fifty Shades of Grey, I think. Maybe. Fifty Shades of Grey, same thing. It's like... Didn't that start as Twilight were, fan fiction? Yes, it did. <laughs> now, that's the saddest commentary yeah. of all. People were writing... <laughs> pe- but people were writing shitty erotica for decades. Yes! Why is Fifty Shades of Grey the one that... that that went to Brokeback Mountain and yeah, made it mainstream? Yeah, thing, like, yeah. Uh-huh. It's just horrifying. Yeah. But, you know, when she, for no real reason, climbs up on top of Daniel Craig, still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for her to turn into a werewolf or something. You know, well, fangs come out, maybe. Well, he, uh, Fincher explains in his mind, it was like, that's... She's trying just, to chill him out. That's her trying to chill him out. She's yeah. like, all right, I'm just going to... It doesn't have, like, the same connotation to her that yeah. it does to other people. Like, oh, I'll just have sex with him. Yeah, that'll that'll Although chill them out. Something but, it was both good. Something they that, usually relax. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a big ass part of the movie. I just had never actually thought about it before. Right now, my assumption, even up until this moment, uh, has been remembering the movie and even when watching the movie that she's gay, but she's not. She's uh, bi. She's bi. Yeah, because you know, she doesn't subscribe to roles like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Man. She hates labels, man. Can't keep her down. But it's interesting. Well, uh, Beerman could. Why? No. Oh. oh, yeah. Send your emails to Ryan. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but yeah. It's it. As I recall in the in the book, it's it is much more of a thing where she feels safer with women than she. But it's mm-hmm. she is de- so she she prefers the company of women. But uh, in in that sense, in terms of kind of taking care of her needs, but she is well. I kind of got bisexual. I got in the impression. Uh, well, again, just to briefly contrast it in the in the Swedish one, it's just she wakes up with a chick. Yeah, and it's that's kind of it. In this one, we actually have her kind of have an emotion, go out to a club, see a chick, they do some acid or something, and then they wake up together. And I got the impression that she just kind of went out, and it could it could have just as easily been a dude, right? It, it didn't. It just doesn't matter. That was the vibe her. I got too. But yeah, yeah. The, the sense of you know preference, be like, well, women are probably safer. Yeah, I would think so. I, I this is a thing. This little aspect of the movie is I'm always fascinated by this, and it, it's 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 something that I always want to try and put into stuff I write or stuff I do is like this whole idea of recreating like an event and, and here's like old photographs and old movies and, and, you know, looking at oh, something from a picture, modern someone pers- else is taking a picture. Exactly. Something find from picture. a modern perspective and recreating a scene and, mm-hmm. and having to, to do that both, both from a technical standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint, I'm endlessly fascinated by that. I really, I'm always drawn to a movie that, that 
that plays with something about that, about trying to piece together something from old clues and old images and things like that. So this part of the movie, for me, as far as Daniel Craig's plot line, was the most fascinating. I was like really interested in the it's process of, yeah. of cracking the who, who took the picture and where were they and, and following those, those steps. Triangulating the past. I've always yeah, wanted to yeah. do like a thing that's like off, you know, several hundred years in the future where the whole thing is then you're doing this holographic reconstruction. Trying to thing. figure you out like, do, like the know. holodeck with yeah. and everything. It'd be a lot of fun. So here we go. You guys ever been tased? No. I'm happy to I, say I no. Hope, I hope I, that will never be yeah. something I have to Don't tase It's awful. Don't it's it's not as fun as the movies yeah, would no, have you believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a romp. <laughs> it's, yep. it's not like, oh, that hurts, and then you kind of fall down. It's like, no, it kind of makes every muscle in your yeah. body misfire, and then yeah. it's the mo- it's incredibly people, painful. People end up it's breaking like their a, bones. When yeah, they, yeah, yeah, you just turn inside out for a It's a full-body muscle cramp that just goes on as long as the person wants it to. Something that's interesting about that that I hadn't known, I was looking at it for, I don't remember why I was looking into it, but one of the interesting things about physiology is that you are actually a lot stronger than you are. And it has a lot to do – like your the, the muscle capacity of your arms would allow you to lift things much heavier than you actually can. And the biggest thing that stands in the way of you being that strong and the thing that makes gorillas much more strong than us even though they're relatively similar in body weight and all that is the where on their bones the tendons connect to pull them one way or the other. On yeah. humans, the you know the bone that goes from your upper arm down to your elbow connects to the forearm. Only like an inch away from the joint, so it's you know it's like trying to close a door by pulling right on the hinge. Yep. Whereas if the tendon connected anywhere lower on your arm, you could really exert a lot of lifting strength, and it's like you know closing a door from the handle. You can you just have it's stronger to do. And what happens with tasers is when your muscles contract so hard, you actually sometimes run the risk of them overpowering your bones and snapping them. They're actually your muscles are much more strong than your bones are. Which is an interesting factoid about tasers because, hey, look, a, a, a rape revenge scene. So anything. But yeah. Yeah. Her it, raccoon makeup is very yeah. interesting. Nice touch. Yeah. Well, I get the sense that she was probably wearing a mask as she came up here. Um, you know, walking through the city as dark as possible. Just, like wait, wait. Let's see when you take your Batman mask off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got, we yeah. saw her come into the room, though, and she was normal-ish. Yeah, she, she actually made herself up for this. You know, the... The the point at which this scene is going to lose someone, if they're not lost by the very nature of the movie entirely, the point at which someone would get lost in this scene is the kick, I think. Yeah, that's... That's that's when yeah. it goes from, yeah, to, whoa, um, it's that's that's the level up period. Which is in the Swedish one, too. Yeah, well, I mean... Double kick. You're kind of... That's the point where you're either totally on her side, or that's where it loses you, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, did you have Mike? Did you have different experiences emotionally with this scene across the three mediums? In the which one did you find most successful? Which one did you like not like that? Or I, I think this one is certainly the most effective, um, and certainly the most because effective you know, in terms of what? In terms of just well, in terms of being very upsetting <laughs> to watch. Really? Uh, I think so. Wow. I, I, more than uh, do you know why? I would love to know why because I I don't feel you don't, that way at all. Well, well, do you think the Swedish version was more? Oh no! Oh, you mean between the two? Yeah. Oh, as sorry. opposed to I, what? I thought you were talking about this versus the previous scene. Oh no no no, just, no no This this scene as it is in the three different incarnations. Yeah. Oh, the, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. the vengeance scene. Yeah. No, this one's two. way better. I yeah. Think. Yeah. But um, why is it more effective? I mean, is it just the way that your emotions have been played up until this point comes a in? Bit, comes, I mean, it just comes into it with more inertia. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly kind of the level of craft, like we talked about, like Fincher 
Fincher knows how to milk a scene like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the in the Swedish version, the scene was just it, it it wasn't amped up like this. The scene was just kind of you don't get shots like that. You yeah. don't get to have her sort of portrayed as sort of like a superhero yeah. in in many parts of this. And like like anything, it that scene was shot like the dialogue scene in the cafe type. Of, you know they they don't they don't really go in for we're doing this scene this way and we're doing this scene that way. It's it's more just presenting the scene. Here's the scene where she does this. Here's the scene where she does that. And it, there's, um, I, I won't say less craft. It's just a different way of, of making films, I guess. A slightly different thing was that in, in the Swedish one, she starts the, she plays the tape for him, goes into another room, closes the door and has a cigarette while he watches the whole thing right. and then comes back in, which is, Interesting. I think that's kind of, you know, an extra level of. Uh... Oh, so one one really thing, one cool thing that I liked in the Swedish one that d- didn't really happen here. One of the most effective things that they did with the whole looking at all the photographs and stuff is they he he got all these extra ones of her and they're doing it here essentially. But for some reason, I think it was more effective in the other one where they play it back and then it really feels more like. It just turned to video because you had enough pictures, and this one's kind of doing it. But I think the cross dissolvingness of it kind of doesn't doesn't work quite as well because in the other one, there's a very kind of creepy, eerie feel to watching her turn and and then her reaction, or maybe it was just some of the subtlety of the angle versus her face. Looks like she's kind of looking at you as she turns, mm. and it's that was super super creepy in the other one. She's scary. <laughs> What's crazy about that tattoo is how thick the lines are. Oh, yeah. She, she, it wasn't like she went over it once. It's like she was doing the thing you do with a pencil where you're just like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She's she making sure that's not coming off. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she repeated the line several times. Like a Sharpie. <laughs> uh-huh. And the daughter. Yes. I was like, yeah, but now wait, who is this? Is this his daughter? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. Let me see if I can pull up another one of these emails here. Makes you want to you were saying earlier you wanted to, you were saying you you were gonna you're going to Sweden or you went to Sweden. You get you went to Sweden. I went to Sweden on your, yeah. your European yeah. trip that you just went. Yeah. So I've I've never had the pleasure. I've gone as far as Germany, as far as I've gone, but I've always been I've always wanted to go to Scandinavia. Yeah. Sweden was very nice. Sweden was like I, I loved it there. We spent I guess four days there and I mean we were in Stockholm for the most part. We didn't um, you know, go out into the uh, the wilderness too much. Was, <laughs> into the Alps. Yeah. How was, was nice. the how was the weather when you were there? Was it really cool? It was it was chillier than I'm used to, certainly sure. being from California, but we, we were right at the cusp of it it was starting to go that way after summer, but it was not full on winter, so mm-hmm. um, how long were the days? They seem they they didn't seem like uh, oh really they okay. didn't seem unusual. I guess maybe it's the time of year or exactly where you are. I remember they were talking about yeah. a certain shot later they were trying to get where they had two hours of night. Yeah, and it was a night thing they were trying to shoot. Yeah. So it's kind of like well, kind of got one shot of here. All, of all and, uh, places to try yeah. and do a night shoot is a place where the they they don't have any sometimes. I think I think we hit right in the middle between like the longest, you know the 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 two hours of dark and the two hours of day. Like we were, yeah. we were right in between those times. <laughs> so it the, felt the normal. whole day is four hours long total. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird. In the wintertime, the, the whole day is four, four hours. It's crazy. I've, I've just always been kind of fascinated by just the general, and I recognize that there are multiple countries up there. We call Scandinavia and, um, and, uh, 
sometimes I, I usually misattribute one being other because apparently Finland is actually a Baltic nation. Oh. It's like Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and Finland are a group uh, in a sense, or at least they, they sometimes are considered that way. But but that whole zone of the world I've always found really fascinating in terms of the culture and the and all that stuff. I have never had a chance to, to go there. I'm currently obsessed with Finland because I'm researching and, and working on a project that's all about Finnish history. So you know, and in America, we don't know jack about yeah. Finland, and Finland is amazing. No one will know if you make something. It's out. amazing. Well, the Finns will. <laughs> oh, they will. But yeah. uh, you know, fun fact about Finland, for example. I mean, you know, we don't know like uh, World War II. We always kind of skip the whole history of what do those northern countries do during World War II? Well, they did some serious shit during yeah. World War II. Finland during World War II fought the Russians and won, fought the Nazis and won, and fought the Russians again and won. <laughs> Just during the period of World War II. Finland rolls deep. Finland is hardcore, man. <laughs> There's also a, a sociological – and, you know, Finland is obviously adjacent to Sweden and Switzerland and – Sweden and um, Norway. Switzerland is a little bit separate. But um, Finland apparently – you know, they're all very much the same, similar. But Finland, the national character, the Finns are the most stoic culture on the planet, supposedly. Huh. I mean, just in terms of like, they're just the toughest little, you know, can you live up, you live in a place like that where, you know, there's nothing but coal mines and snow. It's, uh, you know, it's going to make you kind of a, kind of a hardy, tough culture. So, so this whole sort of, this, this whole, this whole thing where, you know, everyone's got these houses where the fire is always burning because otherwise you'll die. <laughs> you'll freeze to death. It's just a culture I've always been fascinated by. It is interesting what you talk about um, culturally because while we were there um, in Stockholm, they have a lot of museums. And so we went to a number of the museums and just the, uh, I guess the, the level of honesty that they have with themselves versus the level of honesty that hmm. Americans have about their own history. Mm -hmm. Um, where we tend to, uh, you know, deify and heroify uh, uh, the past, um, they're very, they're very open about. They have the uh, their their museum of like military history, which is incredibly anti-war. <laughs> like it's yeah, so, so just, it's so completely just, you know, it's it's a history of warfare and how hideously fucked up it is yeah. through through the ages. Well, you, and and they talk about like it, it even it even comes up. Um, you know, it's it's related to to some of the stuff that goes on in in this film, the World War Two, the the Nazi connection. They're very much they they say you know in their museums the the fact that Sweden basically they didn't they kind of they they kind of sold to, they stayed out of it so they kind of sold to both sides you know sold weapons and stuff to both sides and stuff like that and it's it's very much a thing where to this day that is like a national shame of sweden yeah. that they're that they're very open about they're like if you go to the museum they're saying we are still basically trying to live this down and trying mm -hmm. to trying to move past that because it's it's such a source of shame in our country well even in this movie and then and originally from the from the source material as well it's it's kind of it feels almost weird from a american perspective to have the guy go yeah this is my great uncle or whatever the character he was a nazi you know in, in an american movie that would be the big burning secret that, that we spend the whole movie to uncover yeah. you know yeah. he was a nazi your uncle was a nazi he's like yeah he totally was a nazi what what am I going to hide that? <laughs> of course, he was a Nazi. Everyone was a Nazi. It was real. The Germ Germany's right there. What are we <laughs> supposed to be? So you know the fact that they just sort of blithely say, "Oh yeah, my great uncle, he was a Nazi, total Nazi." Yeah, sure, that. And it would be the big, you know, in America, we yeah. go, I'm, that, that, no, no, that's not true. That never happened. Yeah. It's understood it makes him an asshole, but it's not dead. Yeah, but it's, 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 but it's true. It's you yeah. know, it's it's not like we you know, it's not like we can unmake that fact. Yeah. So. 
again, that's a it's this the fact that they so that that's not the plot point. It seems kind of yeah. weird from a Western perspective. I like I I I really the first time I connect with Mikkel at any point in this movie really is the is this process by which he finds Lisbeth how he comports himself in that scene and more specifically I love the way he comports himself in the scene when he barges into her apartment because there are so many ways he could and this is obviously a this is artifice this is a, a, a character in a scene that were built and you know contrived but there are so many ways it could have come across as a massively dickish or imposing thing and it is i mean he's just right. walking into a room and yet somehow every opportunity he has to kind of seem like a bigger dick he doesn't do like he doesn't stare at the naked chick in the bedroom he, he, he kind of just goes oh shit sorry tell your girlfriend to leave he doesn't he's not weird about i got the some breakfast thing. yeah, I, yeah, got yeah. You, I got you some coffee you should have a seat i'll clean up and then we'll leave and that's all yeah. and it, just the way everything about that scene goes i really like yeah, there's it, also for me it's it, it, watching it the first time was you know not knowing anything about anything it was the tension of it because we've just established her it's like dude this is not a, this, is, this is not a yeah. woman whose apartment you want to come barging in and be a big dick right you know even if you are bringing breakfast you could be in for some serious trouble if you do that. So there's yeah. this sort of like, how is she going to respond to this? Nice. You know, she's got a taser in her bag. Right. And and I always thought she was very, she she wasn't, she suddenly lost all that aggressiveness that we earned from these last scenes when she kind of just is like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, uh, you know, Blomquist, because in the, he's, he's a foil to the, 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 the title of this book in Swedish is Men Who Hate Women. Yeah. So it's very much about him being a foil and him being much, I guess, much more of a feminist type of character because he doesn't, he, he fucks a lot of women, but it's all consensual. Like they, they want to fuck him and he's like, okay. Um, well, that was something in the other email I got from Chris Berg, who is mushroomer in our chat. Uh, he points out that Miguel had a lengthy, a lengthy affair with Cecilia right. in the first half of the book, which was totally cut out of this. Yeah, maybe to make you like, maybe to make him seem less like yeah. a slanderer. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it's it, it's something, but at, at the same time, you know, I, I think people look at that as being kind of a, a a more feminist stance, but it's still like, yeah, but but it's still about you know women who want his jock. So I don't, I'm not sure that I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. And also, his behavior here is very. Um, you know, it's there's there's a charm to it, but it's still very much a male privilege thing where it's like he's not appreciating the f like she just we've seen her. Yeah, we saw her get her revenge for it, but we saw her get raped. And this dude, she doesn't know, is just barging into her apartment like he owns the place, never considering how she may be taking it. You know, not not really to that level. And it's sort of like yeah, he's he's not not quite the good guy that he thinks he is even though he's trying to be well but the the the, the one thing and the thing that that i think is supposed to motivate her to not immediately like you know tase him or anything like that is she knows she's in trouble right yeah in the sense of yeah oh I god and, and also the fact she knows who this guy is she knows you know she knows everything about him and his relationships and how often he performs oral sex on his girlfriend <laughs> so she knows he's not he's probably not a dangerous guy and he, i suppose that's the true, fact that yeah. he comes in you know you you know, and like if he came in strong arm, yeah, she would have tased him in a heartbeat. But the, you know, first of all, she's she's afraid when she hears him at the door because she doesn't know who it's going to be. Right. But then he's got breakfast, and now she's like completely thrown off. But yeah. It's like, she, what, what the wait? What? That was that. This that, is like the paparazzi just showed up. Yeah. Or, or, well, it was it, that. That is Fincher's Fincher's argument on his commentary was the reason she reacts the way she does is because she's fascinated by him. 
She's she's fascinated by the fact he found her because mm-hmm. she doesn't yep. think yeah. that that's possible, and and that he's behaving the way he is. She's kind of like, okay, I'll allow it because I want to see where this is going. Well, yeah, I know? mean, it's like I I I was about to frame it backwards a second ago. It's literally as if a paparazzi is hanging out at his house, kind of you know he's waking up and he's having a cigarette and a bagel in the morning, and then Tom Hanks shows up. And says, "Hey, can we talk? <laughs> you know a lot about my life. I have a question." Yeah. And then, like, comes in. It's like, "What? Yeah. This is odd." You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a movie of that. <laughs> That's gonna be a scene where <laughs> some celebrity or like goes a, to a or like a stalker, like a stalker who has the celebrity go. So look, uh, I brought drinks. You know, let's hang out yes. for a sec. Let's talk. <laughs> a, 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 you were you were the a, foremost authority on this. Yeah. Uh, yes, a movie about a celebrity stalker who then disco- starts being stalked by the celebrity <laughs> yeah. and decides he doesn't like it. There's gotta be something <laughs> to that. Somewhere. She, there's something like that. There was a Giovanni Ribisi movie that went along those lines. I think I think it was called Paparazzi, but it was a different premise. But it's it is, you know, that's the way that scene plays. It's just sort of like a what the hell? What an interesting thing for you to do, sir. I will I will fucking kill you if you touch me, but go on. Do you recall in the books, Mike, if they specifically have Max? Yes, as a matter of fact. Okay. I was curious about that because I saw it in the Swedish one too, and I was like, oh. Wow, Apple's all over product yeah. placement on these. It's very, that's, it's very that's an interesting <laughs> thing to want to be associated yeah. with. She very specifically has has a power book, and and again, uh, it 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 felt like um, in some places it felt like Larson thought he was being paid by the word because he was very <laughs> very particular about the specs of hey. every machine, and <laughs> and that's just that was just the way he wrote. It was not just the, well, the computers; heard, it was just I've everything the book, was like that. It sort of Moby Dicks every now and then, and just goes off on a tangent about a detail about the way you procedurally do a this or a yes. that. Yes, absolutely. Does yeah. that is that interesting? Is that an interesting part of the book? Do you ever learn anything cool about how to bug a house or something? <laughs> no, not really. Damn I it, mean, come on. I, in, in part because in part because it was written, you know. I guess coming up on like 20 years ago, it was like 95 or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah. At one point in a sequel, she apparently uses a Palm Pilot. Yeah. So Thank you, Mushroomer. Looking forward to that. Yeah. So so it's very much... I think Fincher will update it. Yeah. It's it's very much the case. If I'm reading stuff like that, I'm going, I'm not sure how valid this even was at the time. And it's certainly not valid Uh, now. Yeah. So... It's just interesting. It doesn't seem like uh, her being the Uber hacker type would use a Mac. Yeah, you know, it's always seemed a little. She'd have some crazy ass Linux. I think have her own built thing with. To 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 be fair, well, I I don't know. To to point out, um, the whole thing with Steve Larson was he died when uh, before the books were published. He Mm -hmm. his his the the manuscript was basically that many pages and never published them. The the manuscript was because he was trying to write kind of the whole story, I guess. And the manuscript, from what I understand, was even delivered posthumously. He was already dead before the publisher even got a hold of it. So I I get the feeling that foot thick. I I get the feeling that it probably could have used some editing, but they decided, well, you know, out of respect and all that. Yeah, the dude's dude's not around Mm -hmm. anymore to do it himself. So I guess we'll just put it out there himself. But so, so I don't, I don't want to say that it, it, you know, it, it's quite possible that a lot of authors write that way in the first draft, and that's just and not is, the one that goes. That's, to that's what book editors do: is yeah. go, let's take out this, you know, let's take out this whole section here, and that seems seems likely that they probably did edit. I mean, especially right. with, posthumously, it's easier to edit because it's like <laughs> we don't need this part. You know, and no one's going to give me grief about it because he's freaking dead. You know, <laughs> Stephen King will call you up and go, "No, I need those ten chapters." You know, it's like, oh, Stephen. When are you going to die? Would you, Stephen? Guys... Can we just make those chapters another book? Is that okay? Yeah, I sent that guy. With, that? I sent that guy with a pickup truck to kill you, and you still didn't die. And I still have to <laughs> have these conversations with you. Uh, no, I like the part where I'm in the book. Yeah, Stephen. See, there's a problem. Yeah, that's okay. 
would you guys be interested in seeing uh, Fincher at least do the next one, if not all three? Or all three? I mean, would you be interested in seeing more of these from him? I don't know. Do I'd be interested any, I mean, in seeing the behind-the-scenes for him, I guess. <laughs> I just wanted the making well, of it. Yeah, I wanted like, to make him so he can tell me how. The second Do one I have is, to watch the movie? Is itself? the second one Hornet's Nest? No, uh, that's the third one. The second played one is the girl fire, who played right? with fire. Right. Mm-hmm. What, what is the little... You read all three of them, didn't you? Yes. What is, the little, what is each one about in a couple of sentences? So this one is about... Corporate espionage and a fucked-up family. Um, the second one, the girl who played with fire, it's like she has... Um, there's 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 a slight espionage thing it's like they're they're going to reveal uh, you know he's back at the magazine and there's some people who have information about i think it's um uh, it's human trafficking uh, i think it's like uh, you know sex sex uh, trafficking stuff like that and those those people are assassinated before they the story can go to print and there's a mystery about who did it and stuff like that and it ties back to her past and her father who's right. basically the, the leader of this crime syndicate and stuff like that and so she goes after him and it ties into kind of discovering the the secret behind the assassination and that's and, and that leads into the the third story which is about how once this once this whole thing is kind of forcibly brought to light um and the the investigation goes broader and the police get into it you start discovering there's people in the government who are in on this and there's people in the police who are in on this and stuff like that and uh-huh. and so it's this this whole conspiracy that unravels that sounds like it could be cool i mean i wouldn't want to do a good job i wouldn't want to read the whole series and bless you for doing it but i as a two and a half hour version yes. of that book the, i would like to see the two and a half versions of those two stories the second i i would like to see what and what they might be able to do with it because like the adapt the adaptation process might make it better because the second book is feels very much like it's a setup to the third and the the second movie in the Swedish version feels very much like it just kind of stops at a certain point you go oh i guess i have to watch the next one in order to which to be fair it was like the 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 Swedish movies were produced for television as i understand it they were like a tv miniseries so it was very much a thing where tune in next week and you know you didn't have to oh. wait a year it's huh. like to see the next weird um so uh-huh. so they they maybe can get away with that a little bit better and then it was they were packaged into the the kind of appropriate volumes and released as films elsewhere mm-hmm. um i got the impression though that the second one is it's because it's more sort of focused like you get more time with the characters and it's it, it would it would have the opportunity to be a more straightforward movie as opposed to this one where it's kind of like there's these yeah. two different things going on and there's this big complicated plot it's a little more down it's, to business it's true though i guess the only problem is that there's not there's not a resolution because the third movie is yeah. the resolution yeah, okay. so it just feels Sure. It feels too open ended. It feels like I don't feel like you've really told me a story. Hey, I feel like you started telling me a story. Yeah, Empire tells you a story. I guess that's true. Well, Empire gets you. It moves the ball in the field, but you know it ends with you know where, where, where's Han and everything's right. a little bit unraveled. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Anyway, and it can't. And, it, well, and, and to, you know, Return of the Jedi was the best one of the trilogy. I mean, it's <laughs> to answer your question, I think down uh, in front show at gmail dot com. I would. Uh, I would. Uh, you know, having Fincher do the second one is your best chance of getting me to watch it. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I, I mean, I, I would, I would like to see him you continue. A hard bargain, consumer. Con- continue doing, continue doing this piece as he, you know, has so far been doing it. I, I do mean, wonder you know. if he particularly cares. Uh, yeah. Because you know, I, I, I get the sense that what's weird about Fincher. Well, here's something I've just, it just okay. occurred to me about Fincher in general. Uh, for the last five or six years, maybe ten years, when he's been doing these sort of big romantic novel like expansive epics 
button and Zodiac and and this and uh, social network. I I don't feel his interest. I don't feel him loving the project in the way that you you know when you watch a uh, I don't know when you watch a Matthew Vaughn film, you really get a sense that they're really into this. Even Chris Nolan, you get the sense that he's really into this, uh, what he's doing and how he's doing it. And Fincher. It may just be an artifact of the movies being detached, so I prescribe him the feeling of detachment, but I don't get the sense that he's super huge into the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's, it's just the thing just he decided to do. It was a gig you yeah, know, that he you just know? got. You know, it, wasn't, sure. it wasn't something that he tried to you know. It's interesting you said that about life. Nolan, because I think a lot of people would probably disagree with you. I, I think they would too. Which it, is it, not, was, it was not the, the perfect example. Right. That thing you do in Tom Hanks. I get the sense <laughs> that Tom Hanks really wanted <laughs> yeah. to do yeah, that. Yeah. Which is, which is well, not, but Nolan writes writes his movies, right? He writes yeah. his own stuff. With his brother. So he has his investment. He develops the story with his brother, and then his brother actually does the script. Yeah, whereas this is just, you know, hey, so it's a big prestigious project, you know, well, you're a prestigious I, I, guy and I, you want to do it or what? I so. really do seem to recall like an interview with Fincher where it was kind of like, oh, we've got this big, really popular book series and we're doing American movies. I've already made Swedish ones, but we're going to do it too. And uh, it's a really dark uh, procedural crime thriller. You're kind of I can't believe they would ask me to yeah. do such a thing. Yeah, and it's really. like shocking. And he was very kind of like, well, what do you do? Turn but, this down? Yeah. You know it's going to be a huge thing. It's yeah. kind of up your alley. You can... You know, I, I can see how he would take it from just a paycheck right. standpoint. Well, well you know? but but the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I think we've made this point before, but there there's this idea that art and commerce can't go hand in hand. Like you have to let because he may have taken this just because they offered it to him, and he's like, "Well, I got nothing else on my schedule, so fuck it." Like he yeah. may not have loved it. I but got he those five projects that they won't let me make. Yeah, but that doesn't but mean he, he didn't enjoy. That it. doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't yeah. mean yeah. he he didn't enjoy it, and that doesn't mean he phoned it in. Like, oh no, so no, 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 that's not my. I point. mean, I mean, no. you know, a, a lot of people talk about. Fisher clearly if, showed up for work. Yeah, on this yeah. One. If yeah. you if you look at a lot of classic classical art. I mean, I mean, literally. If you, look at, if you look at Michelangelo yeah, and Da Vinci and Shakespeare and all of that, most of their work, if not all of their work, was done for hire, not because yeah. they wanted to right, with, yeah. with all their heart. Hamlet but, wasn't a spec play, yeah. and a lot of classic exactly. studio movies. You know, it's like the guy who directed Gone with the Wind. They said you direct Gone with the Wind, okay? Yeah, and he you was know, the he was the yeah. fourth guy. It was who three guys. Yeah, yeah. he's like, okay. Now you stop directing Gone with the Wind, and you direct Gone with the Wind, okay? <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, th what are you doing? You're not busy this week. We got Wizard of Oz. Go. Do yeah, that. you go. You switch. You. Do Wizard yeah. of Oz and you do Gone with the Wind. And so it, it, it oh, was. <laughs> I love his reaction to the Yeah, that's, that's fuck. Oh, very, fuck. very unbond. I'll tell yeah. you that. I and, never noticed too, but like it was pointed out, it's kind of a swastika. It's, oh, yeah. it's totally a swastika. Uh, yeah. I never put that together. But the uh, a little hint. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, well, it's it's a misdirection yeah. kind of hint. That's about that. That's that's what it means. I think to in in some ways, that's what it means to be professional. It's it's like yeah, okay, that's the definition. You're sure. paying me. Yeah, you're paying me to bring my A game. I'm going to bring my A game. Like I like this is this is the thing I love most in the world. You know. But I get what you're saying, and you really it, it, there's there's a big difference between this and some. I don't know. I'm going to hold up Fight Club and as just something that where you you kind of you kind of feel they're all in there having more fun. I mean, it's a more fun movie. It's actually very funny, but you there's there's so much more personality to it. Well, it's, that's it's hard not to think of, that yeah. he had yeah. more. You know, he's personality is a good word to use. There's professionalism and then there's passion, you know, right. and, yeah. and you can't you can't really buy buy that. You know, you can you can certainly do a, a good job and turn in a good movie or a good work of art for, you know, commercial purposes. But, uh, you know, the passion. Project. But of course, half the time, the person's passion project is their worst project. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, well, at least he got that yeah, out of his happens. system. Yeah. You know, thank God that's over. I think I think certainly. Uh, someone, someone like Fin you know, there are people who will just phone it in and just take a paycheck or whatever. But someone like uh, Fincher, I think he 
I, I get the impression that he needs to find something in it that he connects with and is passionate about. He can't just he can't just take any old project. It's like mm-hmm. I need I need yeah. to make sure there's something I understand about this. He's not that doing like Lifetime Channel movies or yeah. anything like that. So yeah. And I do I will step back to the you know the big picture again. And as I said in the beginning, it's kind of like for for this story and these characters, I think this is about as compelling as as you could make this. I, I don't. I, I can't think of a. The, the, I, I agree. I watch this movie <laughs> and I go, I can't think of a better version of this movie. Like basically nothing I can fault about this movie. The fact that I don't really connect with it is an issue with the source material exactly. and not the film. Exactly. So, but yeah, I, I, I was. If if anyone hasn't just sort of on a tangent of what we we're just talking about, if anyone hasn't read uh, Sidney Lumet's book making yes. movies, yes, that is a good quote. That yeah, that is no. an absolutely great. And he's got like right up front, he goes. I've made plenty of movies just for the yeah. money. He actually but. breaks it down. He goes, I did, you know, there was there was X number that I wanted to do. There were two I did for the money. There was there was several I did because I wanted to learn some aspect yeah. of what that movie would, would enable me to do. Nice. Um, you know, I wanted to work with a certain cinematographer or whatever, you know, or I wanted, you know, he like, he like took a movie because it was going to be his first color movie. And it's like, I want to, you know, I need to learn how to shoot a movie in color. And I want to work with a cinematographer who knows color and can talk about the language of that. But yeah, the fact that he straight up said, yeah, I did. I think two was yeah. his number. I did, did two because I need to pay two, my rent. two for the money. You know, I did two of them for for because they paid me. No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just you know, I I get the sense that this one Zodiac, not not Social Network. That's different. This one and Zodiac are things that he's interested in. If this movie was a thing on a shelf, he'd pick it up and be kind of interested in it and spinning it around and looking at it and holding it up to the light and stuff. Whereas uh, Social Network Fight Club Seven, I get more of the sense that. Oh yeah, cool. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm making this movie now. This is cool. Yeah. I get to do this. What a cool I'm, thing to panic, do. Panic Room feels like Panic Room too. Come yeah. here and do your Fincher thing on this story we have. Okay, yeah. 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 And he certainly and I think I think Benjamin Button was certainly a passion project. Yeah, that was it was, and it, but it doesn't right. have that feeling for some reason. I yeah. don't know how that happened. Hmm. I think in the Swedish version, the identification of uh, the you know the the boy in the blue. Uh, sweater whose face you can't quite recognize is more clear in that um, it's 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 very obvious in the Swedish one whereas in this one it's kind of like then there's some other picture where he's blurry but he's closer and you don't really register the shirts as being the same and so again that's one of the one of the the many things about the Swedish one where the investigation is more followable for me and I kind of go oh oh I get it that's him from the other thing like I'm I'm right. with the movie more as it's as it's unfolding whereas this one's a little more you know, dense. It's a little tougher to permeate. Interesting. I I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's rather. I, I I do like how the the their roles have reversed in this scene. Whereas now he's right. all meek around her and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So all about the power. Yeah. It is good. I, I suppose when I first saw it, I'm kind of like, well, you know, at the end of the day, do you really need that? I mean, she's definitely made her point in right. the first time, but but it is good to show that she's she's definitely keeping up on yeah. his what he's doing, yeah. you know. And uh, it's yeah, it's totally a scene that you could you could lose, you know. You could just you might yeah, what, keep, it doesn't need to be there. keep it in for pacing or because you need well, I can't cut Daniel Craig to Daniel Craig, so I got to put something <laughs> in the middle. Uh-huh. And that's that's also a scene that's also a scene that you would lose if you if you weren't looking forward to the next two and know that that aspect of the story needs to exist and needs to be kind of set up her, mm-hmm. like you said, her, her, mm-hmm. her keeping tabs on him and keeping constant awareness on him is important. Yeah, okay. 
which I didn't know, but I, well, I've go. sort yeah. of gathered, I guess now. Not since you just said it. But <laughs> yeah, like just- I didn't. I didn't know that at all. So yeah, that could, so that's that's there's one of the weird things about commercial. You know, when you're dealing with something, especially something that's even if it's we're hoping this is a franchise, and you know, God knows. A lot of movies were intended to be the start of a franchise that weren't. Yeah. Um, but uh, the fact that you do have to, you know, Harry Potter and all those other ones, you go, okay, look, I know if you were just going to make the movie you wanted to make, you wouldn't even bother to have this in there, but you got to put that in there. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and, and to have to deal with those constraints is sort of is sort of an interesting thing. I always find this kind of weird, like, where is he shooting from exactly? Where it, it went across his right side of his face but it hit the tree behind him that kind of looks like it's to his left i mean right. that's just the way the it's, shots composed i, I think it's funky. a weird perspective thing yeah yeah we're watching the movie like i definitely didn't get what happened the first time i thought like a piece of shrapnel hit him or something that's, that's but what, it's, I, that's what that. I still think it is yeah. you know it might have been that. it still works i he guess he caught a piece of, he caught a splinter yeah. yeah we're watching the movie and not the trailer but can we talk about the trailer for a second when the first one came out which was just uh, it was a fast cut thing. They kept going back and forth between that. No shot. shots more than a second long. Right. And you know, and um, everyone loved that except me. And and the um, I loved the the. It's just a little too much. What the, what the, I appreciated no, I, what it was. I, doing I thought it was a cool trailer, but the, and the, the marketing people fucking nailed it when they they decided they're going to sell this as the feel bad movie of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Well, that's one. That's definitely a way to make there a statement. The about girl it. who ruined Christmas. <laughs> it's the feel bad movie of this Christmas. Um, <laughs> I thought it was so cool the way they they owned it that way, as opposed to you know trying to make it look more you know uh, periody or or more artful or this. It's like no, we're we're just going to own it. This is a movie that will make you feel kind of bad. The Swedish classic is yes, brought, the, you know, another. It, it another... was not a floral trailer at all. It was just very bum 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 feel bad movie of yeah. Christmas. It's Another, like, if you uh, like this jumble of terrifying imagery, come watch yeah. the girl with the dragon tattoo. And then they did like a six minute trailer thing. Right. Another, was, by the way, another effects thing. All that blood on him is digital. It's tracked in, and no, it's not. Most of it, yeah, yeah, no, most, it's not. most of it, yeah. No, it's not. It looks real. Anyway, yeah, six minute trailers and such. The six minute trailer, and I'm, I'm, I, I, how do you guys feel about that in general? Remember when Avatar? There was Avatar Day where they showed the first fourteen minutes of it. Uh, I think Dark Knight had it released the first scene in the in the bank. Dark Knight released released the bank heist. Dark Knight Rises released the um the, uh, the plane. The, oh the right, plane of yeah, yeah. abduction. And that's when everyone was like, "We really can't. Under- we're not kidding. We it, we're, we're not whining. We literally can't understand him. Please re-record him." Um, <laughs> yeah. And boy did they! Uh, boy did they ever! <laughs> it's like a it's like a, the Peanuts cartoon. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> but how do it's you like guys- the Kalawak from World of Warcraft? <laughs> and this one they released. Uh, Greetings, my friend. They re- they. With the with the with the <laughs> editing hand of a trailer, they made a six minute version of it that just sort of tells you a little bit more about what the movie's going to be. And oh, you're talking about this one now, right? Th- this one's yeah, six the extended minute trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys feel about that sort of thing before you see a movie? I mean, I'm I'm usually I'm actually at the point right now where I've I've almost given up on trailers unless yeah. it's something that I actively know nothing about and and don't have any interest in. And someone says, "Do you want to see this?" I go, "All right," and I'll watch the trailer. That's pretty much the only time I'll watch one these days. Or after I've seen the movie, I get very yeah. interested in them. Oh, I love trailers. I'm all over them. But I, uh, how do you guys feel about the the extended things they'll do to hype you? I beyond I, the trailer form. I don't know if they necessarily are hyping. I mean, in a case like this, um, it feels more like. What the heck is this thing? You know, like a, tra- yeah. a trailer would go like, okay, it's, that was, it's hard to explain it in two minutes. You know, it's it like, really what, what, what am I really going to buy into if I'm going to, you know, see this movie? What, what is it about? And you can couple that with they're, they're also not being afraid of keeping secrets from you because this movie just came out two years ago. It's a, it's a giant bestseller book. It's not like they're worried about, you know, 
keeping plot from you. They're like, here, I watch six minutes of this. Like, and just see how we're doing it different, you know? Right. I, someone just put together a supercut of all the stuff that, all the footage they've released from The Hobbit. It's like eight minutes, an eight minute mini cut of The Hobbit. I've seen kind of that kind of thing before. Putting it all together. I have no interest in watching that and I don't understand why anyone would. It's like, I already feel I've seen like two trailers and I already feel exhausted by The Hobbit. Why <laughs> yeah. would I want to watch like Well, have you been so watching much? the production diaries too? No. Because why like, would yeah, I want to? Yeah, I'm not to? watching any of that. I saw the first trailer, which I didn't like. Yeah. I didn't and like now I'm just like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna wait. I don't want to know. I want to see the movie. If I like it. the movie, then I want to know how they made And even if I don't, I'll probably be impressed and I'll want to go back and watch it. But it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go into the kitchen and see them make the meal first. I want to eat it, <laughs> Which and then what, I'll go into the kitchen later. I just say you brought this up earlier. It's like unfortunately, what our friend, uh, what our friend was John Hudgens was in town last week, and and all that, and we're we're driving in the car together to go to the screening of his movie, and and he goes, so they say that so and so is going to write Star Wars. I was like, stop, stop right there. Yeah. I don't care. I don't want to be part of any of these conversations. <laughs> I'm out for three years. Don't talk to me about who's writing Star Wars and who's going to be. I don't care i don't want to know if a star wars movie comes out i'll go see it yeah. <laughs> i don't want to have daily conversations <laughs> about what's going on with star wars no i i, I don't i'll still clear you because i'm having so much fun. I'm, I'm almost <laughs> at that point i'm i'm at the point i do want to know who's writing it yeah. because that's important i think and i want to know it still hasn't been announced i want to know who's directing it once i know oh, like, then that's know, it yeah we know who's writing it yeah. once i know who's directing it i want to read the everyone i want to read the deadline hollywood blurb about who you know so-and-so's been attached to direct yeah. all right <laughs> okay see you in two years i'm in or i'm out either way i don't want to yeah. hear anything more about it I think they. I think it's pretty much known who the director is at this point, though. Who? Please guy, stop! Stop! Fucking uh, stop! Didn't you hear him? <laughs> Please. You said you wanted to read the blurb. I, the, I want to read. Blurb. I don't want to hear what some dude on the internet, which is you right now, <laughs> thinks is the director of it. Fair enough. I want to see the official announcement because anything else is bullshit. But the thing about Star Wars is, you know, and, and talking about franchises and things like that, is like Disney said, you know, we 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 called this, you know, we called this already. Disney said we're going to make like three and four of these a year. There's going to be nothing special about <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. It's the new, you know, it's just a new commodity that they're going to like spew as far as like. So everyone's going to direct Star Wars. Yeah, everyone in this room is going to direct Star Wars <laughs> before the end of the end of the next decade. Ryan, you said this yeah. is where the movie started to lose you. Uh, in the library and all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, for how interesting, I mean, like, you know, you've never seen a, a more lovely looking sequence of uh, an old guy uh, on a computer toggling through pictures. <laughs> you know, you're, it's it's really true. But it's you get to a point where I'm not. You know, the idea is hopefully you're following along with what he is discovering through the sequence. And for me, I wasn't really tracking with it. It's it's actually worse later while she's. In the yeah, this this bit here, uh, the, mainly this for me. Like, I really don't specifically know at any point what she's doing. <laughs> Actually, you're talking about uh, trying to make it interesting. Okay, yeah, she's sitting there. Technocrane move across exactly the desk. Technocrane screamed over. across the entire library floor da, 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 da. to show her at her computer. Michael Bay. Yeah, Michael Bay. Directed. Michael Bay's library yeah. scene. But, but and, and actually, I'm with you because right about here is where I was like. I was, I was kind of like, okay. hanging in with what was going on, but now this more pictures and wait, but this, but he, but then he must have been here at the thing. This is kind of where I went. Yeah, 
I'm going to wait and re- read the Wikipedia article after to, to figure out what that was really about. Right, exactly. I'm not really clear on where they're going now. And it, it does it does a well enough job of kind of, by the end of it, really, you get the only important piece of information, which is, it's Martin. You know, yeah, but yeah, right. I, I really didn't connect to any of how that 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 path went to to lead you there. I don't know how you figured so. that out, but I believe you. Well, it was it's interesting. Yeah, I saw a lot of scenes where you were figuring. Yeah, I mean, the Swedish one <laughs> did it a bit differently in that the and I kind of like that more is that they have like a decoy. They have a red herring, which is that oh my god, they were all Jews, and then they connect it with the Nazi thing, and so then they go after a different dude and he breaks into his 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 house and then the guy you know, gets a shotgun on him and all that stuff and then and then uh, Martin comes in and kind of rescues him and you're like oh geez okay great and then they go and then you get a moment where you kind of you get to see uh Mikel explain his progress to uh to Martin who then realizes oh shit he's totally like as we speak it is going to be figured out that I did this <laughs> and then hits him in the neck with a syringe and then they have the whole thing and go from there. Whereas this movie is so much better like in, in terms of as soon as he's he's he goes to sort of investigate and then Martin gets there and it's like he realizes he's in the house and it's like how much does he know? Does he realize what's going on? It's like it's so interesting. It's so much better. It's so much creepier and, and, and tense. There's so much suspense in that. That's that's way better than the other version. It's like a drawn out version of that moment from Silence of the Lambs of like, I know, and you know that I know, and you know that I know that you know. Exactly. And, and now what's going to happen? Yeah. And it's like, at what point does he realize, you know, he's got yeah. the knife and it's like, he looks at the thing. It's like, he knows he's got the knife. It's like, ah, it's so good. It's so much better. I just saw what you were talking about with the lens players there when they did the crane up from underneath. The yeah, lamps. totally. Totally. That was, that one was indulgent. I, yeah, I feel like most of them are, but. I mean, and that's just because this isn't an anamorphic movie otherwise. At least I don't get I that impression. I think it's anamorphic. Do you see those kinds of flares, though, on all sorts of other stuff? I feel like most of them are, are artificial, although I haven't been looking at Boca, really, um, specifically. I don't know. Into, I've, I've got the, I've got the uh, American cinematographer on it right here. Oh. Actually, actually, the most interesting thing I learned, and I, well, I didn't mention it on any it doesn't of look the anamorphic there. driving shots or anything, but... Um, uh, no, Master Primes. I don't believe those are anamorphic. Yeah, that's right. what they did Social Network on yeah. too. So, um, but uh, there you go. The the driving shots, and I don't know when we're going to get another one, so I might as well just put this out there while we're you know uh, marking time. Um, <laughs> Wait for someone to get stabbed. The, the the process shots that they did, like the you know setting up in a in a studio and stuff like that, and having you know having lights go over the the car and everything. In this so movie, that it, yeah, in this movie. For um, which part? I, I don't remember the scene you're talking about. Well, just general driving. You know, they they didn't necessarily shoot actual driving, but let, especially nighttime driving when they're driving around. Like they shot it on a stage with lights mm. o- on the car to make it feel like they're driving rather right, than right, actual. Right. And then they they had them in front of green screen to comp in the background. But the interesting thing is they had these big panels of, I, and I just learned this and it's cool. They had this big panel of LEDs like on on all the sides of the cars, and they fed into it the background plate. So that they would actually get the the correct light and color and timing and stuff as it's it's, it's like they did real real world radiosity on it. Yeah, Yeah, they put an HDR globe around the car. Yeah, are you sure? It's it's so sad because that's easier than driving the car. Yeah, out in the world. So they they call it normally. You know, those are process shots. So those are poor man process shots. They were saying this. These are rich man process. That's what I was because I was looking at that thing and you were saying that they were all process shots. But there's that shot with the entire environment is reflecting over the top of the car, and I'm like, that's just that's hard to do as a digital. Are are you? 
I don't, I don't doubt you, but are you sure that's not talking about the social network and not? Yes. Okay. Yeah, right. I didn't. I, I didn't think they're ever in a car in the social network. <laughs> no, they are, and it's it's some of the best driving comps I've ever seen. I could probably look. It's up. right after the the dinner with um with Sean Parker when they're driving wow. back, and he's like, "What about the big fish, man?" And it's and it's fantastic. I can. I'm. I mean, I could look up the social network. Oh yeah, I'm, as sure, well, you, I'm but sure. I'm sure you're right. I'm definitely looking at. But it game. sounds like a similar rig, so I'm probably. sure that he just took that and then did it even more so on this yeah. for whatever scene that was. I, I don't recall off the top of my head which one. That would be. Yeah, this is very much like she's sitting there. So we guess she's not doing much. So we got to move the camera. Whip pan. Yeah, we're good. Dolly. No one will be out. seated during the exciting research sequence, yeah. which is you know the bane of these kind of movies is is trying to like trying I'm not, to keep I, that interesting. I'm not sure exactly what she's charting there and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe I'm. Just, oh, she's charting the movements of the guy who is now her new suspect. Yeah. Of, uh, right. That uh, he was in in all these places when these murders happened. So. Yeah. Do you remember? The- and Gottfried Gottfried is the Nazi, so there is a little bit of that. Right. That's that's that is the red herring. This is a red the, herring. The, the tip of the hat to the red herring. My herring. Version. It's crazy. You can tell all that. It's out sound. <laughs> it is. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> wow. Commentary. You don't um, get to do that often. No. It's and that's the one time I get to do that joke. Now I'll just be repeating myself. But another Fincher research scene. Remember the library scene in Seven where uh, Morgan Freeman comes into the library? Yeah. yeah. When he comes into the library and the guys. Classical music. All the right? all the janitors are over there playing poker and he says all oh, these books and you don't. All you want to do is play cards and he's like, how's this for culture? And he turns up some classical music and he's studying and listening to that. And it's the same intention it's the same instinct it's the same scene uh but it's much more restrained um it's much more well, at that point he wasn't using technocranes but the uh it's the same sort of thing it's paging through books and you know a dolly shot going across the aisles of the library and an insert of his hand on a page and that kind of thing and you know making copies blah 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 but it's also i mean a, a big part of the reason why that scene is successful hey i'm touching back to the movie we I did, was on the other commentary for um is that one's also telling you a whole lot about his character and just that he's the guy who still goes to the library and looks through all this stuff and it's it's the the music reinforces it beautifully in stark contrast to he's old to mills who the next scene is him getting delivered cliff notes in his car <laughs> you know yeah fucking dante <laughs> I recently on YouTube saw a guy who does a Brad Pitt impression. A, I didn't think there was such a thing because I don't, you know, I don't think of yeah. him having any. What sort does of he a, sound like? But then you watch the impression, and you're like, oh, oh my god, okay. <laughs> wow! Now I feel, I always feel like it must be harder to do an impression of someone who's not really that impressionable. You know, it's easy to do a George W. Bush or you know Peter Lorre or <laughs> Ed Wynn. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like Brad Pitt, George no. George Clooney. Um, yeah, go. I think he just yeah. talked like a guy. I don't What's, know. Yeah. Yeah, how do I how do I do chin? How do I? <laughs> what's that sound uh, like? Yeah, you know, all you have to do to do De Niro is scrunch your face up. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to do George Clooney, you have to inflate your chin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him, he's doing better than we are. <laughs> yeah, he's doing all right. He, there's no love lost here. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Cheek's hands. That was my. Sorry, that was my hands. I just do that nervously sometimes when, a little I, bored. when I'm worried about George Clooney coming to find me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nervous habit this you is have. The, this is a part two where I was having an interesting experience the first time watching this because, uh, again, like I'm not – we're intercutting these two things, but she's not doing anything particularly interesting. She's walking and getting coffee and she's walking down the thing. And yeah, we're going that is, back, that is We're awesome. going back and forth like what she's doing is really important. And I was starting to kind of go, wait, why? Yeah, that, well, that, that is an odd choice because everything else that's been shown in her sequence, you have to assume, even if you're not following it, it is actually illustrating to you the way she is connecting the dots. But then it starts to be this thing where he's he's following a hunch and he's breaking into this guy's house and she is 
walking down a hall, not th- getting anything. I think, you know, I, well, I think that uh, to me, that struck me as being the point, whereas he's putting himself in the line of fire right now. And she is not somewhere where she's connecting the dots fast enough yeah, to be able to help. That's him. what it's about is like, well, he, he's, he's about to get into some serious shit. She's not. She's not. Going, even she's not to going answer. to come help him because she's, you know, at the right. library miles away. It's basically the movie's way of saying she's distracted right now. Yeah. 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 But like she, she's. If he calls her on the phone, she's not with her phone. Like he's kind of yeah. where where that is. Um, well, he I also did, just doesn't have like service out there. Right. Was, yeah. No, there's also because Sweden. You know, there's also suspense of you know of well, someone could jump out of a stack at any time and you know try and strangle her or whatever. That's just you no. Know, that's not going to be happening. But you don't know that yeah. the first time. Right. Presumably. That was something that I was. <laughs> I was concerned that that was going to happen. And I think that's part of... Yeah. And it could go either way. It's, I mean, a, it's it gets, such a weirdly suspenseful thing where I'm like, yeah, wait, why do I feel tense? She's going to the... Oh my God, she's coffee. going to the soda machine. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, you know, same with, you know, Silence Sound, of the Lambs where they could be doing a big okie doke where he's doing the thing that seems scary and oh. she's doing the boring thing. But then suddenly right. like, you know... Maybe it goes the other way. You could do. You could easily tell a story that goes the other way, where you know she gets attacked by a guy with a knife in the in the library, and he doesn't find Jack in this guy's house. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. God, that's a nice house. I do. Li- I, oh, it I, it's so. It's I so bet like, it's hard to heat though. Woo. Yeah. An- oh, yeah. An- no kidding. Another thing that uh, that I didn't really pick up on, but it was great. And um, uh, you know, Fincher talking about it on the commentary. He's like, we found this house, and it's like, if we can't get this house, I'm not making the movie. <laughs> yeah. and, and he was. <laughs> this is the house. Yeah, but but his whole thing, which is interesting, is. Uh, Martin, who has the lives in the house with the All least to hide. Yes, yeah, so that, was yeah. The, that was his little statement there. It's that also so a, just so stark and flat and white and yeah. Yeah. like a museum, you know. People who live in glass houses shouldn't murder prostitutes yeah. in their basement. I think is how the saying goes. <laughs> yeah, my mom. Used Which to is say clearly that. wrong because yeah. he got away yeah, with it for like forty years. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things. It's not actually true. Yeah, the 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 houses painful door handle. The houses of the super rich when they decide not to get a massive mansion are always really interesting to me. I love modern architecture. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, you know, because it's if if you are making bajillion, bajillion, bajillions of dollars, you can obviously buy the biggest house you want. But the ones you choose not to, and the house that results are always really cool. They're always really beautiful and interesting, and they just reek of quality in a kind of ineffable way. Whereas I'm looking at my house right now, and oh my god. All of the corners it are rounded. It is far too effable. All of the corners are rounded. <laughs> it's not stark. It's not nearly stark and Scandinavian enough. Nope. Plastic, also, Ikea an, furniture doesn't even work in this room. There's an interesting sort of color grade in this whole sequence that makes it kind of yeah, weird and yellow. Sickly, and sort of look. Yeah, sickly. Yeah, because in the rest word. of the movie, this house has been very white. Well, it is white. Like, well, yeah. You know. But it's been, you know, it has been presented white. Mm-hmm. And now it's not being presented white. Yeah. I wonder if that means something, Ryan. Yeah, well, that's I think what happens when you are a cinematographer and you've got nothing but white, 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 white. <laughs> yeah. It's the enemy of of good shots. White walls, they're awful. Yeah. Give me some chills. But at least it's at night, so you get to have a lot of modeling and, and texture in where there's light and where there's not. You can actually shape a lot of you can detail. Add, yeah, there. add detail into it, paint it up. Michael, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I was nothing. just over here. I was just I was geocaching. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be that's that's actually a good cover excuse. Yeah, 
that should be someone's alibi in a movie. They should just mainstream that. Have you heard of geocaching? It's where you take your phone and you go out in the middle of nowhere and you find a box of candy or something. I, I was doing it years ago before you could do it with your phone. You had to have a GPS device. But yeah, no. I what kind of shit would you find at a cache? Oh, you find it. I, I hit a couple that were fun too. I hit, there's still a couple of mine up in the San Gabriel Mountains that people visit occasionally. But um, but are they like books or? It's, it's whatever. It's, you know, it's whatever you think of. And uh, people have invented all kinds of games. Anyway, geocaching.com. Look it up. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, geocaching would be a great excuse for anything. I mean, I think that should be like the hook for, for someone's movie is like, you know, someone, someone goes wandering. Because that's one of the weird things about geocaching is you end up wandering around someone's backyard. You know, like, I hope I'm in the right Eyes. place. Look at the earthlings. Yeah. I hope <laughs> this is where the thing is hidden because otherwise I'm, I'm trespassing. But that would be a great subplot where it's like, uh, you know, geocaching was your excuse for why you're wandering around places and you're actually doing something else. Yeah. Ryan's wearing a Fight Club shirt. We know where your loyalties lay. Yeah. No one's ever wearing a girl with a dragon tattoo shirt. Although they're the, the clothes that they're all wearing in this movie are really cool. Everyone's dressed well in this movie. It's like a yeah. fucking GQ ad. GQ? Fucking Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at this cubicle room he's in. So yeah, this is one of those. There's, there's this, a, this house should have been in Tron. Yes. Yeah. There's a line in uh, this house was in Tron. Uh, there's a line with when he's uh, meeting with the uh, you know the Nazi guy, and he's like, "What should I just you know polish everything like an IKEA table and stuff like that?" And apparently, people because of Fight Club too, people have gone to Fincher and been What's like, your "What? Deal with IKEA? What is your problem with IKEA?" She also does have like an IKEA box in yeah. her in her uh, apartment. Uh, Salander, that is, and he said he's like, how I you, don't, I don't have not? a problem with IKEA. It just, it mm-hmm. just happened that way. <laughs> yeah, the IKEA in Burbank is a terrifying place, though. I don't think there's a bigger IKEA anywhere in the world, let alone Sweden. <laughs> there's a, there's a I restaurant. There's that. a pretty there's big a, one in Torrance. There, there's actually, a restaurant. That's, that's a big one. Carson, in right. the middle of the IKEA that people find, like they'll be shopping yeah. and they'll, they won't know how to get out, and then yeah. they'll just stumble across a diner. Just yeah. in the IKEA. It's like finding base camp when you're exactly. trekking through Nepal. It's like, oh my god, Sue, so let's, <sighs> let's rest here. Let's just stay here for the night. We'll set up camp here. I actually took a meeting at that IKEA diner once. <laughs> wow. my, my friend was like, hey, I'll meet you at the. Uh, uh, we'll just meet there. I'm like, there's That's a classic. Chevy's across the street, man. We can get a margarita or something. Yeah. No, no, no. The IKEA California one. Pizza Kitchen. You got some choices. Really cheap hot dogs. Anyway, Swedish meatballs. Stellan's guard's guard is. I like that he's sitting badass. on the chair and then Stellan's leaning against the thing, so he's always just a bit higher. He's just looking down on him yeah. that whole time. There's a lot of just delightful, subtle aspects of that. Now he's got a gun, so yeah, okay. He's like, you can see it just drain out of his face. He's like, ah, oh, yeah. shit. Okay. This All is right. just you know, excruciating, like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, let's go. You're in trouble. All right, so leave the knife and uh, yeah, let's see. let me let I'm me gonna, show you something. I'm gonna take you to the spanking room. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> Uncle. I wonder if they if they labored <laughs> over the decision, puzzle basement. If they labored over the decision to have him throw the knife on the table, or if they ever considered having him go, <sighs> and he just puts it back in the block. <laughs> yeah, right. as opposed, he, he just kind of tosses it like it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, right. But I feel like it'd be funny as a beat of he is so guilty and he's so screwed right now. He's just like okay, and he just puts it back in the block. As opposed to, you know, tossing it down there. Mm-hmm. I think the table works better. It's more defeated, you know. I think so, too. But, you know, you got to wonder. I do someone love someone he, made a call there. I, I, I do love the aspect where the whole time he's still carrying his drink. Like, they're <laughs> yeah. just chilling. 
Like, maybe, maybe, maybe we are just gonna have a We're drink. Being civilized, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's got like a lot of paintings that he wants to show me that are cool. <laughs> yeah, really. point. Maybe it's yes. <laughs> at gunpoint. Yes. You he's know, gonna show me his. Uh, he knows his, I'm not based his, on paintings. His model of Devil's Tower. He's yeah. working on it's down a big, here. It's a big joke that people make fun of villains monologuing and explaining their whole plot to the guy. But I never had a problem with it because I I completely fucking understand. Because imagine you're going through all this fucking work. You've got him. You're booby trapping yeah. and yeah. All, all think of all the planning and the machinations of your plan. So and all you the really shit, want someone to appreciate it. Shit that is. No one else is going to know. No one else is ever going to find out. And you got the one guy here that you can just say, by the way, look how fucking cool this is. I rigged it up with all this O2 shit and you can do everything else. And I have this really badass lighting rig around my torture hook. And, you know, <laughs> fucking look at this, man. I worked my no, – I can't show this to anyone. I can't yeah. bring my wife down here. Yeah. Look I at can't, this. I can't go on up on, uh, you know, cribs. Yeah, and, exactly. and show this yeah. to the world. I got to tell you about and it. And it's the same thing with their fucking evil plot, man. Because at the end of the day, you work your ass off on that thing. You're throwing a party for one, man. You want them to appreciate it. It's, we talked about earlier, we were saying how just Fincher knows how to milk a moment properly. Mm-hmm. And this whole sequence <laughs> is... Him his scotch. Just, <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Dude, what, what is it? You spilled your drink. Here. Yeah. But like this whole sequence is so much more compelling and amazing in this version than in the other one. It's just kind of like, oh, he's going to kill him. But it's not really. It's just just as fast as you're aware that he's, you know, his captive. Then she kind of sneaks in the door with the golf club. And it's, you know, it's like and this is really what you've earned doing this whole movie. You get, you know, you get to have this scene with these two, you know. Right. And you but you are allowed to you are allowed to think because of the way the rest of the movie's gone because it's sure. David Fincher. He he could get his ass gutted right here. <laughs> yeah. He's not even. Yep. It's, it's a, not it's not his name in the title, and she ain't here. Yeah, it could be that kind of movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how he like he's you know in coming up he's just got this casual he's kind of feeling out his ribs and he's got the knife on, you know in a fist on his hip and he's kind of like all right let's see I'm gonna go in right there yeah that's his, okay yeah that's the gnarliest part and it's just like oh god yeah yeah. yeah. I like the like soundproofing kind of like wall tiles. The <laughs> yeah, phone. even his right. fucking horror rape den is really pretty. Really, be- it is really beautifully designed and very, very mm-hmm. spare and. You gotta wonder. Functional. He's who, fucking who you, Swedish, man. It's the IKEA torture room, is what it is. Yeah, I wonder if it. Yeah, it should be built out of a kit. Because who do you want to hire to go? Like, so here's this room I want to build, and it's modular. Here are the specs. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah really. It's modular. It's who built for this? killing goats. <laughs> yeah, it's for my. Right. Okay. It's my workshop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need a lot of drainage. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how fucked up and evil and twisted and a torturing murderer you are. I mean, you can't take the Swedish out of that. He's got a good design yeah. sense, man. He knows how to lay this shit out. He knows what kind of turtleneck to wear. He's I also, a stylish motherfucker. Yeah. I also like in um, in the way that it's portrayed here, as opposed to the Swedish one, when um, when Mikkel thinks, okay, this guy killed Harriet, and I'm, you know, well, at least I'll know that I'm about to die. But like the his, um. Martin's reaction to it is almost like being offended or disgusted. It's like, oh fuck, man! I thought you had figured this yeah. out. You know, like <laughs> it's it's way better in this one than in yeah. the Swedish one. Which which is what comes up later. He then later he, he's just like, well, fuck! It was so weird how he reacted yeah. to that, and that's what keeps him on the on the the trail. Yeah. I also like just I like any scene where it happens where the evil torturer guy is just reasonable and curious. You know, it's hard. It's fun to sort of juxtapose the evil intention with the the reasonable like right. i'm really curious how you found me because i thought i did a good job of that what did you what did you find yeah he's, he's like oh, it was a photograph he's like well what is that he for? wants notes he's like yeah, exactly what did, I, what did i do wrong i don't want to do that again yeah exactly he's it's it's as if he is an actor it's yeah. like uh, I, I know but tell me what what did you like what didn't i do right how did you how did you find me you know 
I thought I was doing such a good job. He's also the the you know the point that's made is that Martin is Martin is a psychopath. He's he he doesn't have a sense of like emotions or or fear or anything like that. He just kind of he doesn't understand humanity, and and so he's very disconnected, which which makes him capable of doing of having a casual conversation with someone he's he's totaling to gut. He's measured. And he's yeah. a measured murderer. Very, very. And that's that's what he he clearly sort of resents about his his father, the way that he was doing it. He thinks he's he's way better at it. And yeah. he's got that kind of that little twitch about his hand getting itchy and then going and putting the Purell or whatever that is on it. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of just an interesting his his you know. uh, yeah, Fincher mentions his like he had the idea where he's if he starts talking or thinking about his father, he, like his father gives him eczema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> a nice little touch like now. Well, I mean, it's just interesting because if you imagine that Martin is a psychopath, but a very intelligent man and uh, <laughs> not mutually exclusive at yeah, all. And, and at the end of the day, all he really wants is to kill people. That's just what he wants. He wants to be able to do that as happily and as long as he can with life, liberty and the pursuit. And the best way to do that is to be really cool and underground with it and just do it every couple of years and make sure no one ever knows. Be really clever. And the result is I get to kill people and have a lot of fun in my soundproof bunker where I'm killing them forever because no one will ever find out. Like it's he's and so he's smart about it in a in a in a in a non admirable way. Yeah. It's a really great performance here though. Where oh, you're it's like, awesome. oh man. And it's so I'm creepy scared. just that he's just against this dark wall and this black shirt is just this yeah. face in a void <laughs> talking to him. And and systematically just sort of shooting down you as a viewer too, at the same time, you're you know, you're with Mikkel in this and that he's just he's just eliminating all the things that might get you out of there. Yeah. You know, it's just kinda like, I'm just gonna dissolve all your hope and uh this this might really happen. Yeah. I love his line about let me tell you, you were gonna make such a mess. <laughs> yeah, I do. <don't. laughs> like, oh yeah, I don't have to I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you, you're gonna make quite a mess. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just an evil bastard. So yeah, the difference between him and his, his dad is his dad would leave them, you know, and, and was making a statement whereas he's just like, No, I just like the killing part. I'm not trying to like you know, I'm not trying to be caught, I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm just I just like the killing and I don't want to get caught. I don't ever want to get caught. But I wouldn't be able to do this anymore. That's no fun at all. Yeah. Oh. Huh. What's that? This the 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 touch that I hadn't noticed before I put together when he called the the last woman that was down here an immigrant whore. That might. I, I just. I'm trying to now. I'm trying to parse the connection between that and the choice of the immigrant song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bit of a stretch. Yeah. That's actually just a, a you, sort of consol- consolidation. I think you're overthinking that. Yes. One. In the Swedish version, he he sort of briefly just mentions the type of girls that he abducts for, and he's like, you know, people who aren't missed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whores, uh, immigrants, blah blah, exactly. blah blah blah. So that's kind of just a very quick reference to that. Apparently, of course, in one of the features they they talk about, um, and I, I don't know, I hate when we do commentaries and just talk about features you've already seen, probably if you care enough to watch. Listen oh to our God. commentary about it. But oh, we got the first glimpse of the tool rack. Oh, yeah. But oh, look, uh, this tool whole rack. the whole plastic bag thing was an i was an idea on set and not sort of planned beforehand. And uh, how he he was just a little uncomfortable with the whole. You know, there's no there's no trick to that. You really are, do just yeah, put a plastic bag on your head and, uh, you know, kind of breathe the same little bit of air you have there yeah. for a bit. There's and a similar a scary. plastic bag on the head thing that goes on a lot in uh, Lucky Number 11. Um, and I don't want to spoil it, but some some you see some actors that, you know, don't have to do that kind of thing. They can they can make an executive call and say, nope, guess what? I'm not going to do that. Um, and it gives me a lot of respect for people because it's the same thing as doing like a long underwater scene. It's just. Man, that's 
that's dicey. I mean, it's hard to perform through yeah. your fear in that moment. I guess it might help, but you also have to be very aware of the fact that one inch out of frame is a guy with a poker who's going to come in and go. Pfft. Yeah, this is one of those things. Yeah, as an actor, is like, okay, wait. So you're going to hang me from a chain and chain my wrist and put a paper plastic bag over my head. Let's talk about the safety parameters on this. Yeah. Just for the hell of safe it. word, hippo, hippo. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I have a plastic bag on my head. I won't be able to say that. I love the uh, the little effect of the the teeth, the teeth flying out of his face as he goes down, and mm. you hear him kind of clattering on the floor and stuff. That's a really well done little thing. And again, kind of like we were talking about, not done in fast cuts or anything, just a wide shot of <laughs> wow, and oh. down he goes. Yeah, that's a great. May I kill him? Yes, please be my guest. Go right ahead. Oh, beastly sorry to interrupt, but might yeah. I kill that young man? Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I should check. I'm not clear with your human rules. Yeah. So am I justified in killing him? That, yes. That, that is basically what she's doing. She's like, I'm going to do it anyway. I just want to make sure we're cool. <laughs> yeah. If I do. That's cool. Okay. Just checking. You can sort of read it as maybe it's kind of like, are you, do you need me to take you to a hospital right now? Or can I, can I go do this? Yeah, exactly. But you, at the same time, cool? it, it's funnier if she's just sort of like, you know, morally, is it, you know, is that, that's, yeah. that's fine, right? Are I'm you going to be pissed at me? Because I don't want yeah. drama. Of course, the scary thing is, of course, you know, all that broken jaw makeup. So this is looking, looking at it from, looking yeah. at it from his perspective, from Daniel Craig's character's perspective. He's laying there going, well, I hope she does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to be just as bad as before. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Where are the CG shots in this? Well, a lot of these are head replacements on her. But the so, ones usually else, the ones that are from really up high, looking down through, are really down just... low. Once they get on the bridge and there's some kind of sweeping around, I know there's I know one in particular that I'll I'll try and point out. Probably that one is. I, I but, feel yeah, like that, that one looked a little funky. Uh, here, I think I this think, one yeah. is. Yeah. God then damn, these, guys. This Good one, job. That one was all digital as well. So. You, do we know who did those? Wasn't Blur uh, also? I, was I, it? No, these are these are DD, I believe. Good was job, the, was guys. a primary vendor. Also, when it de- when it actually runs through digital. the barricade and tumbles over, those actual crash shots, even when it's skidding sideways on the road, are CG two. So this one. Good job, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the in it's the insane. book, of course, it, it goes down a little differently, where um, he deliberately turns into oncoming traffic and yeah. then just gets totally pancaked um, as a choice that he makes. In the Swedish version, the interesting part is it goes kind of like this, but she walks up and rather than it exploding, it catches fire very slowly and she has the opportunity to rescue him and deliberately does not. And that's interesting because the way they play it in the Swedish one – yeah, that that reflects and they 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 do a little montage juxtaposition with a flashback to her throwing a match into her father's car and and burning him alive and so there's sort of a you know a mirror there which i thought was actually pretty cool and effective um but you couldn't do that in this version because obviously she's gonna fucking kill this dude right. like yeah. there's no way this character doesn't go up and put a bullet in his head if he doesn't blow up and so it's just sort of like well the explosion took care of that yeah and she's disappointed. She's like, damn it. Yeah. So one thing I'm, well, I'm not going to kill him now because that's not nearly as much fun. Yeah. I, I, I liked reading that as like, fuck, now I don't get to kill him. <laughs> now he's just dead. That's not cool. And then she leaves. <laughs> she goes and watches the movie. Yeah. Finishes it. Decides whether or not she's going to get dinner or go home. Shit, he stole oh, the right. I forgot the other guy. Fuck. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm going to have to have sex with him again just to make, make good on this one. Calm Jeez. him down again. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Which also, I wasn't th- I wasn't gone that long. You were just passed out, yeah, from the pain. And also, what I was just saying about the flashback to her father thing. That actually seeing a little piece of her as a child, it's killing him. It's used. It's used here Look as a sort shot. of a a funny 
What what about it? It's like the dragon is a third head on the bed. It's like it's oh, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it's it's just a cool it's hanging out use of it. It's, yeah. I'm sure it's incidental, but it's it's cool that yeah. they rolled with it like that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's you know he's lying next to this girl and a dragon. <laughs> Metaphor, man. So the funny thing is, you feel like, all oh, right, man, he just died, and we're we're in bed together. We're right at the end of this movie. No, hmm. no, we're not. <laughs> not, not, not quite. No, well, we, no, we've got a we've got a little while to go. We've still. got we've got sequels to set up now. Well, I, I do, and I do feel like this movie spends probably more time than it really needs to with her playing dress up and running around and emptying out all the bank accounts. Whereas in the Swedish one, it's just, he sees it on the news and there's a little, she turns and she's got a wig on. So you know, it's her. And it's, that's really all it needs to be technically. Like it's a potentially a little indulgent to just follow her around doing all this stuff. You know, when, you know, when it feels like you really do want to get to the end of the movie after you've gotten through the sort of the exciting climax there, you know, I mean, there's a lot to wrap up and, and to set up. I understand, but you know, I, I feel like it's not as economic as it could have been. You feel that timing here at the end. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, you feel like this is the, surely we're wrapping up the movie now. Right. And, uh, it's still got some 15, 20 minutes to go. I think. Yeah. We still got, oh, remember there was a, the girl we were looking for. Remember, remember how the movie started with some old dude getting pictures of flowers. We still got to wrap that shit up. All right. Oh, right. <laughs> That's right. By this point, I'm like, so what are we, what are we talking about now? Oh yeah. Supposedly what the movie was about, which is where's the girl. Yeah. That, that is an aspect of the movie. There's there some movies that are so lengthy and, and not that, not that they're bad or boring, but just, you get to a certain point where you go, oh, right, that was that was this movie. That wasn't a movie I saw last <laughs> week. Right. That was this one. That was, uh-huh. that was this movie that happened. And they need to sort that out. Well, you know, divergences happen. When people, when something happens, then you have to solve that problem now. Yeah. I do, I do like the, the change that they made <laughs> to, to the Harriet situation. Cause yeah. What was, the, what was the book? The book was... The book, it was like she had, she had expatriated to Australia. And so he he somehow he tracked her down through Anita. He 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 went to oh yeah. He, so so they did this whole thing. This was real. Um, I mean this happened in the in books. The book, I mean, yeah. uh, he did this whole thing. He went to Anita, and then they were hacked into her. And they saw when she sent an email to Harriet. Um, and they went oh okay, we tracked that. And then it was in Australia. So they flew to Australia, and then he like met someone, and they drove out to the outback, and then they found Harriet. Um, in the Swedish one, um, she was just dead. I believe. Was she? I don't think wow. so. I thought that was the case. I, I, okay. But um, I don't... She died of breast that. cancer and so that there there, there aren't two... Um, not Harriet, but the... Um, Anita's. The eye. Anita's, yeah. Right. Um, running around and then he goes and then goes to look for her. Whereas I think this one makes makes sense. I think this one closer. is better. Yeah. I think this one's... Uh, this one's certainly a divergence from the book, but it's better. And, and because it's a divergence from the book, it actually surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there going, all right, when we get to get to Australia... Oh. Oh, nice. We're not going to Australia. Very economical. Yeah. Well, they just you know saved twenty five minutes. That yeah, would, exactly. That would blow your mind in this movie if suddenly cut to them you know on a Land Rover screaming across the outback. You're like, whoa, yeah. where am I now? Welcome to Jurassic Park. Yes, suddenly it is a Michael Bay movie. Like we just went to the outback for five minutes for no particular good story reason. I do like this device in, in whoever originally came up with it, whether it's Stieg or one of the filmmakers, but the idea of here's how we're, she's the only one who knows. We know she knows. Let's tell her something that she would have to tell that person and just trace her email. Uh, I think it's a clever idea. 
Um, and they're like, nope, she's, and she's playing cards. And it makes for a very interesting ordering jewelry. aftermath when it's, you know, all this stuff. Solitaire and all that. It's just a cool, it's just cool. It's a fun device. I like it. Yeah, and then it's... Again, if if you're familiar with the story, you're expecting that she's go she's going to get in touch with Harriet, and then she doesn't, and you're as surprised as <laughs> as the characters are. <laughs> yeah, right. or yeah, what if? Yeah. So anyway, about Harriet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, one second, please. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Say and back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at this point. The movie has run its course. Yeah, run its course. I mean, it, it, this is interesting. I I, th- I feel like I would have more patience for it uh, if it happened earlier. But I don't know exactly what you, if you were to cut out the bulk, really have it. Earlier, you'd have though. you'd have to lose the whole middle act to get here any faster. Well, you have to lose the a, whole red herring. There's probably a structure where you could have solved this and like, hooray, we solved. You know, we've 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 taken care of the thing and the girl and we found Harriet. And she doesn't want to be found. Okay. And he goes back to the cabin to try and, you know, give his report. And then crazy psycho killer brother snaps her up and go to the basement. So you have an action finale, which I don't know. I presume the book and all the other versions were this way, where we deal with all that stuff. And then we have this yeah. the, yes. this coda of, of, by the way, Harriet, that chick we were supposed to be looking for. Um, I mean, the tricky part is once you get to her, you know, she it's not like she really wouldn't tell you about all that stuff. And then you've got the killer and then you just send police out after him. And it's, yeah. You know, it, it's it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So it's just it's a tough one to, you know, to me, I think that the, the, the on and on. I think the odd man out the thing in the musical chairs that shouldn't really end up getting a seat. Sorry, is um is the whole getting the dirt on the guy and then, going you know, his whole backstory with the with the. um you know that all that stuff that really we're kind of glossing over in the beginning because we want to get into this other stuff it's kind of it's kind of the extra outside plot it's the c plot you know that you're really <laughs> yeah. kind of like well i guess we have to do that because we have two more movies and that's all important etc cetera, etc cetera. but you definitely feel it sort of on the ends of the movie the beginning and the end kind yeah. of just making it a little fatter than you'd want it it's to not be. it's not the, the issue is that there's this and then there's the Elizabeth extra coda as well with yeah, exactly. the whole of the thing. I was like, okay. So it's almost like, did they start? Is this a sequel now? Did somehow the sequel yeah. happen? Start happening when I was, did I miss the, did I miss the end credits and the three years in between when they were making a sequel? Yeah. I mean, they're getting into a whole, now they're getting into a whole backstory with Harriet and why she did it and stuff like that, which I guess is important, but it's like we said, it's, We've almost forgotten that this was what the movie <laughs> yeah, was really was, about. Yeah, yeah, but if it wasn't here, we'd complain that it wasn't. I mean, you want right. well, to? I would want to understand this. I just stuff. think it. I. It could be more economical, though. I, yeah, they're certainly speeding it up, or you know, finding ways to just kind of tighten this up a little bit. It is. It is interesting because we, even though even though they open the movie with it, like you know, this is going to be the central mystery. It's just, it's not that engaging. You know, yeah. it's it's when compared to like there's a Nazi guy who mutilates people in his special rec room, you know, that's as opposed to like, where'd that girl go? Oh, she moved out of town. You know, it's just, it's just not yeah. nearly as, you know, as engaging a story and, and yeah. we're not as invested in the, in how that worked out. She moved out because she was freaked out by the Nazi guy mutilating people. But yeah, we, so, we handled him. Well, so. I mean, you would think. I mean, <laughs> that's not even a mystery anymore. Yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of a scene as always, uh, you know, I, you can't look at it and go, well, boy, because the timing r- really would be nice to not have this because it, it, it ties to get, it finally does push, put together all these pieces that have been throughout the movie right. and you're, you're very glad to have it and to be able to see it and go, oh, okay, good. That's why I watched all of this, you know, but you know, then there's a whole other thing to wrap up as well. So. So yeah, they 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 created such an intricate mystery that it requires a huge <laughs> summation to go. Okay, so here's how that all fit together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's kind of like, well, and it's this not is as kind of- fascinating to watch as you would think to uh, to hear how all that all those pieces worked. And the issue, I mean, I'm sure the 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 primary issue here is that this sort of a thing works in a book much better than it works in a movie. Right. 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 It's it's literally the it's when Agatha Christie would send in you know. Poirot to yeah. get game. All right, everyone, gather around. <laughs> Let me lay this out for you. Here's how this worked. You took the poker from the fireplace, but you gave it to her. <laughs> right, right, right. Go on. Yeah. And again, it, it, it wouldn't be so uh, uh, egregious if 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 them reuniting here was the end, and right. you you don't have to deal with anything else because then this isn't really that that long to have the follow up, and it's it's very rewarding because again, you get to see how all these these pieces fit together. Right, but we've got yeah. we've also got to resolve got more to go. We've also got to resolve uh, the libel suit, uh, the libel suit, and yeah. and his whole story, which was which was his whole reason for getting into this situation in the first place, really. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, and it doesn't it doesn't super lend itself to kind of cinematic construction. I'm surprised we haven't heard more people complaining about this the way they do about Return of the King, because it's like yeah, we really. got like five different things we're wrapping up. <sighs> yeah. This Return One of the King the is other. like, you know, epic and has mountains in the background. Yeah. This is just people well, talking in- like, so anyway, so wait, you owe me, it's, like, it's kind of the filmic equivalent of watching people figure out the lunch checks. <laughs> no, wait, no, I had the iced tea. So <laughs> that means you owe $2 because that's, the refills are free. So, but we split that appetizer. So Okay, but that, you, you, know, you had two wontons and I only I guess, had one. Yeah, I guess I, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know. I love scintillating to watch. I love Christopher Plummer here. I think he really nailed this scene. Yeah, and yeah. the way he almost panics when he sees her—it's it, cool. It feels real. Mm-hmm. What doesn't feel real is the art deck on that chimney back there. <laughs> <laughs> that felt oddly shitty. There it is. It looks a little bit, you know, box theater. <laughs> Someone paint this plywood to look like it's old chipped. You know, no offense, art guys. Oh no, offense. Sorry, offense. It, it looks for shame. It looks this, this is when this is when someone comes in and goes, "This is just some dude's house we shot at." Your chimney that's, looks that's, your yeah. chimney looks bad, and you should. That's feel a bad. five thousand year old chimney. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's totally one authentic. Thing, that's one thing about Fincher that I I found it. I, it came as a revelation. Then as soon as you notice it, then it's everywhere. But like really, there's no there's no bedroom or house except for I guess uh, Martin's house, which they fell in love with. That isn't a set on a Fincher movie. It's just like every everything is just they they will construct all of this stuff just to be yeah. a room with a with a with a psych outside or a green screen in the case of this movie and uh, things that you would be sure would be just a room. It's like you know, oh, it's uh, it's a bedroom where she comes in in, in social network and you know he burns all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, no, no, that whole thing is a to- set. Totally a set. The entire ceiling is false plastic that they can put lights through, and it's yeah. like holy shit. Okay, it's a control thing. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. It's pretty easy to build as far as sets go. It's like yeah. just to make a room. Yeah. Building building rooms is is technology that we've had for a while, but still it's <laughs> it's it's it still seems counterintuitive nowadays to go, you can't just, you know, do a thing. I mean sometimes it makes sense if you're gonna set the room on fire or something like that. Sure, you understand. But it's like seriously, two people having a conversation, you're gonna build that as a set? 
Yeah, it does. It's funny. That's the perfect way to describe it. It does feel like the sequel just started, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yes. guys, I need to pee. And the next morning, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the phone rang, and a new adventure began. It's as if it would be. It's as disconcerting as if after the last crusade shot with the with the the sunset and all that, and then it cuts <laughs> to Indy waking up, and you're like, where are you going? Whoa, <laughs> what's this about, guys? It would be like it would be like a three minute shot of them riding off into the sunset, and then cut to them arriving in a town <laughs> and sitting down. <laughs> that was a long ride, huh? Well, anyway, here we are, <laughs> sitting down in a cafe, and you and your bladder are. Filled with terror. Exactly. No idea what's going on now. And the man at the next table says, Dr. Jones. You're like, oh my God, there's a whole other movie going to happen now. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, that's funny. Kind of like this. Man. Still going on. Yeah. We, we got, dude, we're wrapping this you, up you and do, then we've still got to do her. we still got to do her. You do find out when you're doing a commentary, you learn a lot about, about the, the timing in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Because you're like, we should. Pacing. Really... That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Pacing. So this has been down front. Wait. No, they're not done. Oh, damn it. Yeah. We, we still just got started that... doing our wrap ups earlier. We I guess. still got that whole other sequence. How are you? Do you guys like. Well, it's kind of hard because we only have two performances to go on, but do you guys like Rooney Mara? Are you interested in the way she does things? I'm impressed. Yeah, so far I only have this and social network yeah. to go on. Yeah, but mm -hmm. the but the fact that they're so different, it's like okay, give her something else. Yeah, and I will be interested. I'm tremendously, I'm you know, rightfully, you know, she deserves all the Oscar nominations for for this performance. You know, it's it's one of those ones where it's like, well, as long as you do a performance like this and don't screw it up, you're getting the Oscar nomination. So there's that. That's the that's the kind of the sad. Yeah. That's the kind of sad downside of of Oscar nominations is there are roles that are Oscar nominated roles, and all you have to do is not blow them, right? Sure. And and you'll get the Oscar nomination. Is uh, you know, for example, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, a dozen actresses could have played that role in Shakespeare in Love and gotten the Oscar nomination because right. that's an Oscar nominated role. But um, you know, it's like in the Gwyneth end, Gwyneth playing that almost proves that point. exactly. In the in the end, in the end, it does come down to well, who did play Salt. the role and did they did they do it? And you know, she's she's amazing in this, and she's she's fascinating. Yeah, I, we got to get her selecting the wig. Mm -hmm. We we all went out for a half a day to shoot that. I will say this about that. It's important. You know, I know I know that the she scares Kubrick the wig shop. I know that she scares the shit out of Trey, but that is yeah. such my shit, man. Everything about both Lizbeths. Aesthetically, is such my shit. What the she's, blonde one too? Is it this yeah, one? No. Well, yeah. See, this is no. like Irene. Well, now she looks almost you know humanoid now. But no. it's like the rest of the rest she of the looks, movie, she's a velociraptor. Yeah. yeah she's <laughs> on, oh, dude. Oh, she's it's so like, hot. It's like she's pointy. You will actually cut, you'll you'll cut yourself if you touch that. Between her and Olivia Wilde, man, I like I like angular people. Oh dear. Oh yeah. And she they they talk about and you can see it and it works really nicely. You know she was. She was more of an Erica Albright type of person going into this movie, and then she got so so into you know being Lizbeth and kind of living in that skin for a while. When they came to actually do this, she felt so she, she hated was so it. uncomfortable. Yeah. She said she hated it. Now she's acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's yeah. pretty goofy. She's tiny. Yeah, very too tiny. Oh come on! Eat a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now she's back to normal again. There she is. Damn, she's skinny. That's yeah. a skinny person. Which there is appropriate. Was, there is a funny line earlier that we missed when when uh I think it's after the the main guy's stroke where his his you know right hand man comes in and and uh Daniel Craig's eating lunch or whatever and he's like, "Can I have one of those?" It's like, "You want a sandwich?" It's like, "No, the drink." <laughs> That's a good moment. 2 hours ago. 
Well, I liked also in the um in the in the bit where she's gonna go look at that evidence, and uh, he's like, "Have you eaten?" And she goes, "Like I have a deficiency. I can't put on weight." And then he's like, "No, I because it's better to look at what I'm about to show you on an empty stomach." I'm like, that's that's I like that moment too. I, yeah, it's good. That's a good script. Steve Zalian also wrote Moneyball with Did Aaron he? Sorkin. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, is that good? Anyone seen it? I, yeah, Moneyball, Moneyball was well liked. Oh, you're being serious. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's I great. It. Okay. All right. I would highly recommend it. There's, there are a few things I thought in you life. were doing a thing because yeah, everyone really. like, really vocally loves it. There's, really? There's, okay, there's, yeah, there's a few things in life I care about less than baseball, and I thought Moneyball, well, no Moneyball was great. Well, that's what I, I looked at the trailer, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I'll see you with the Oscars, but I really don't. It's know. really it's really, okay, it's really fun. Yeah. Right, excellent. It made me interested in baseball in a fictional capacity. <laughs> I can't seem to dislike Brad Pitt, so I'm sure I'll yeah, be able good. to Yeah. All right, good. My god, they're still making this movie. It's yeah. Still happening. They just can't seem to stop they themselves. They can't seem to stop. Maybe uh, too many subplots in this movie. Now. Yeah. Well, again, this is like we talked about before, this is another thing where you're making this movie on your own, probably don't do this. Trying to set up the sequels, well, it's important that you know she is a billionaire and can do anything she wants from this point on. Mm-hmm. Oh, does it get? Does it play into all the new found wealth in the next ones? Does she use that? Well, it's just... Because, you know, this one, she's so, like, working with a ratty old computer and yeah. a cell she, phone. She uses it in the sense where, from this point she on... She has options. It's basically... A, yeah, it's basically from this point on, you don't question. It's not a problem where her resources are coming sure. from. Yeah. She can she can now, buy and do whatever. Now she she's wants. now she's still Bruce, buying McDonald's. Now she's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's That's she's a funny part. Yeah. She's she's Batman from now on. You don't question it when she's got do, crazy. Do we have a system as depicted in this movie uh, like that in America, where if you're an orphan when you turn eighteen, you get like a official guardian type who oversees your life is that a thing that happens here no when you're an orphan they're like good luck to you boom well no no no, no. if you're, if you're the, an orphan well, it depends on the will and you know where you come from if you come from money then yeah there's, there's going to be some kind of usually some kind of establishment of well where does that you're going to give the money to a six-year-old you know there's there's in there's this movie i think handled. i feel like the big problem was that because of her past you know murdering her father um <laughs> she's trying to anyway well yeah i mean it's it's a it's a it's a whole thing about how she's just not Obviously, that's the thing standing in her way, just not the fact that not not anything else. That's that's why there's a whole uh, right and probation that, officer. And that again, that again becomes that 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 is a huge deal in the in the later books, where it's like the whole her being declared mentally incompetent and being being subjugated to bureaucracy and stuff like that. That's that's part of the conspiracy against her that that she has to ultimately bring down in the the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. That that is that is part of the hornet's nest that she kicks. <gasps> oh, uh, spoilers! And oh fi- God, that's the fire she plays with. Yeah. Ooh. See, really, you could have had just this. Yeah. We could have yeah. omitted the last five minutes, and that would have been okay. And that's what the Swedish one did. Uh, I think that would have been yeah, all right. That would have been better. Just the idea, the idea of you know, it's like just one shot of her, like. Is that her with a wig on? Holy shit! You know, right. like, in the, in the, play it from his perspective of like, oh my god, did you just do that? Well, you know, mm-hmm. here's your money back. It's a skill like anything else. It interested yeah. me. Yeah, and and it's the news. They get to like perfectly explain beat for beat every <laughs> yeah, really. important thing that just happened in thirty so, seconds. Yeah, you know, his money inexplicably disappeared. Cut to, hey, how you doing? Here's a billion dollars. Yeah, I brought your money back. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. We didn't discuss interest, so bye. Yeah. <laughs> so take it easy then. 
I'm going to go visit my parole officer and give him another tattoo. Man, yeah. that goatee is wearing him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, and she had this guardian, and he had a stroke, and that was all this same movie. Yeah, that wasn't clear to me, um, The you know, certainly the first or even the second time around. The fact that this, this was the guy who was who, oh, yeah. who Bierman replaced, and mm-hmm. it would have all been fine had this guy not had a problem. It's his fault! <laughs> yeah. Strokey McStroke fuck. Stupid stroke man. You and your stupid brain. (laughs) Your brain is bad and you should feel bad. (laughs) Your brain is bad and you should bleed from it. Oh dear. We're sorry. Wow. Wow, The the pace of that chess game actually looked familiar. Okay. Come on. She doesn't buy the jacket, please. Yeah. Now I'm just begging you, buy the jacket. Yeah, this I agree. If there is a if there is a, a major failing of this movie, otherwise it's really, you know, an excellent form of craftsmanship but if there's a failing it's now you have to you have <laughs> man, man, managing the pacing and the and the interest of the audience yeah. and it, bear in mind we it's, are we are watching it without the audio so we're not getting the the full engrossing quality you oh, get. thank god the jacket yeah um, but it's but it's also it's also hard because you have to you're trying to serve two masters you're trying to deal with the fact that you have a book that you need to tell all of that story from but you're also trying to make it so that when people are sitting in the the, you know, sitting in the theater, they're not trying to choke themselves to death on popcorn just to escape. And to, to me, <laughs> so. to me, I mean, I think the problem with it is not so much, um, so to speak, the weight of it; it's the shape of it, uh-huh. which is that we we feel like you get the conclusion of a movie right at about the thi- what feels at this point like the two thirds mark. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and then there's still a whole bunch of. Sh- fat left that has to happen and, yeah you know again when, we, we, we we when the car with the mass murderer explodes yeah we all took, you're usually done at that point that's and we all took wax at it to try to figure out well how could you do that differently it's kind of like well that's sort of the order it has to be that's the the problem you sit out with with the with the source material you know i i do like this scene as sort of the ending emotional beat which is to yeah, kind of g- getting to this which is like you know, i totally blocked out the fact that there was literally 15 minutes of other stuff in this movie because i remember this this you know this stayed with me because it's like oh you know yeah this is right now now she's gonna be a super villain and kill him or something you know it's gonna be great well it's at least sort of kill robin wright one of the two it it nicely sets you up to think that they've gone through this thing they're gonna kind of get together and there's gonna be sort of a happy ending to that and then they just kind of go nope and then just knock that right off you know yeah that that i like i mean that's you know that's that's the important thing and it's an excellent musical cue here, which we didn't really talk about through the course of the whole movie. Oh, but, Trent. Uh, Trent and Atticus. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, for the most part, in, enjoy the music as its sort of background, tone-setting, low-profile presence. To me, when I was listening to it for the first time, it sounded like Social Network slowed down with wind chimes. That's kind <laughs> of the identity I got out of it. But really, playing in the context of the movie, I think it, it perfectly serves its purpose, which is, which is fine. Which is cool. But yeah. it, it does have like a sort of a, de- a detached quality that's actually kind of similar to the movie in general. In yeah, I mean, no, it's perfect. I mean, the, the the problem is, I don't know if Fincher will ever conclude that he shouldn't use Trent Reznor <laughs> yeah. because they do. I mean, the movies that he makes with them fucking work, and they do fit. But I worry, I worry that he's going to make a movie that actually needs else, and they mm-hmm. won't they won't get that note, and it'll just keep sounding like Ghost. Um, yeah. The, uh, the the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a movie that I really like. I usually turn it off after some, somewhere around the, the point where he's asking her to go after the guy and all that stuff. And then she goes off and like takes all his money and everything too and he dies and all that shit. 
Uh, I usually turn it off by that point, but watching everything up until that point is very interesting. If I want to, but I have to be in the right mood for it. If I want to get that hit off of Fincher, it's not my go-to. I tend to go to Zodiac for that. Um, but if you like this movie and you haven't seen Zodiac, I, I do recommend you check it out because it's a very similar sort of thing. Um, incredibly different and yet very similar sort of thing. Uh, long and drawn out and interesting and procedural and well acted and all that stuff. Uh, as it stands, I would actually be interested to see a sequel. Um, I, w- I would like that. I don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't strike me as likely. It did make like $260 million, but that's it was a very expensive movie for that, so we'll see what happens. But as it stands, cool, Fincher. What's what's next? Yeah, I think if they were going to be making the sequel, they would be making the sequel already. Is that so. right? You think that's not going to happen? I I don't know, but I I feel like if they were going to do it, they'd have moved on it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it does seem like they would have. You know, I mean, this is a year old right. now. This yeah. came out last Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, so as point. opposed to you know, uh, Hunger Games, yeah. they greenlit the sequel opening weekend. Yeah. Oh, 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 we're making more. But this is you know, this is a hard sell. Because this is a you know, feel bad movie, of course. A hard R, you know, rough movie. It's like it's yeah, you know, this is not gonna be necessarily a huge a huge blockbuster, which I don't think it was. I mean, I think it did okay, right? But uh, yeah, it I mean it, it didn't it wasn't it, the number it, it one movie the of the year or anything like that. It was, you know, it's 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 you know, a, it's one of those things where you go, I'm glad there's kind of a limited audience for this movie. Yeah, I mean this movie is deceptively expensive and it was expensive. Yeah. Uh, and two hundred and sixty two, I think, million dollars. That's a lot of oh, money, but when wow, you yeah. when you weigh it against the the cost of the film, it, it that's when, you, a, when you do when you do that, add a hundred percent, barely a break even. Yeah, really. when you add the hundred percent for marketing and see how that stands mm. up, it's probably it probably just about broke even. I'm saying this completely out of my ass. I could be wrong, but I, that seems that seems right. Anyway, Ryan, how are you uh, after having watched it again here on the girl with the dragon tattoo? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm you know more or less uh, what I uh, declared from the outset, which is that uh, movie that is it's sort of it's fascinating because it's taking something that has characters and a plot that I don't care about and still don't really, and <laughs> managed to still make it compelling for pretty much the most part. And you know, where I'm at right now, I really take mostly technical aspects away from it, which is just when I kind of want to check out something that uh, when you want to just see. Fincher and Cronin with uh, make a very nice looking movie and it has a lot of just sort of nice aspects of it um, to watch just to put in and just sort of watch and take in as a experience it uh, it just sort of works for me on that level and that's about the most I really get out of it uh, Dorkman yeah pretty much what <laughs> pretty much what we said at the outset uh, my, my view hasn't changed although the the you know that denouement it is more boring than I remembered it being. But again, like you said, we're not listening to the sound, so that's probably part of it. But uh, yeah, it's an immaculately made movie, and I still don't really know why. <laughs> Trey, yeah, that <laughs> I uh, I totally forgotten the 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 extended denouement. Like, wow, really? Seriously, this is going on and on. It's like a, it's like a Ryan Johnson movie. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, well, this has been uh, Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com like Mickey did and like Mushroomer did. Uh, go to the forum. And involve no yourself else. in the conversation. No Who shot on red? But it's the girl with the dragon tattoo, so they desaturated it. Um, Assholes. Yeah. And uh, the forum is awesome. It's it's not doesn't, doesn't the red logo uh, usually have a red dot? The, the, the dot is red. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, go to the forum. It's great. And people are showing up all the time and adding more stuff to the conversation. And we have <laughs> interesting long conversations that especially right now very rarely devolve into flaming and that's 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 awesome uh it's it's a good place to be it's a good place to hang out lots of smart people talking about interesting things and making shit and uh buy our shirts 
Give us lots of money at that PayPal button and uh, Holden Hill Design and Maintain that website. My name is always T. Christie. My name also is always is Ryan Weaver. Mike Scott. And Trace Tweaks Whisked. This has been Down in Front. Thank you very much for listening. I can't do it. Good night, good night. Skull. I'm really bad at accents, man. I'm really bad at it. The only thing I can do is do the, the my cocaine trick for Michael Caine, and that's oh, my cocaine. When you say my cocaine, you're just mm-hmm. saying Michael Caine in his accent. My cocaine. If you want to be Australian, you say good I might. Good I might. There you go. Yeah. Good I might. It totally works. Oh my God. Ah. <laughs> Teach me more tricks. <laughs> that's the secret. That's the secret of Australia. Friendsinyourhead.com.